Kifa. Welcome to Move Left Idiots. I'm your host, Anthony Montrulo. I'm joined by my co-host, LaDonna Loki. Uh, and we are also joined by a special co-host, a uh, guest co-host sitting in tonight. Uh, she is a political consultant based out of D.C., uh, Rachel Martinez. Hello. Thanks for having me. How are you guys doing? Very good. Another fine week in politics. Yeah, yeah. So great. Um, <laughs> Great week. So we'll dive right into the news of the week, but uh, crazy news just broke right before we got on. Uh, we got another one. Uh, Tom Price resigned. <laughs> um, it, it's kind of amazing when you look at the list of how many like Trump associates have resigned. I mean, it, it's it's climbing into the 20s now, like major cabinet members. And Well, I will say I think he was forced to resign. I yeah, think it seems that, um, awfully like it. The optics of this right now with, you know, some say 400,000, some say 900,000, you know, that, uh, you know, charter flights and whatnot. Yeah, and it. he's only going to pay back 50,000. So they're trying to, you know, there's that against the GOP tax plan, which do they care more about? They, I think they asked him to go. Well, it's just so... Absolutely. I was just going to say it's it's uh, insane that he would even come out with before they talked to him. He put out a statement saying, you know, he apologizes for using American people's money without their knowledge. Like not even <laughs> that he didn't even acknowledge that what he was doing was like morally and illegally wrong. He was just like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't tell you. Uh, <laughs> but I'll pay back my portion of the seat because I only care about me. But you traveled with your wife, your entire family and your staff every place you went and then took summer vacations to two major foreign countries on private charter jets and didn't tell anybody. Like, like he, what? He literally <laughs> chartered the jets himself. And then he's like, well, I'll pay for my seat. Motherfucker, <laughs> it's your jet. Like you chartered the entire excursion. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, and I yeah. truly believe that we're going to need all new laws after this administration, because I, I think that there are things that we just assumed that people would do right you know, and so clearly he had a blank check to just arrange whatever travel he wanted. There was no oversight there. That's a problem. So I think we need to to look at this from a legal perspective and fix it. I 100 percent agree. I think that remember every every president prior to Trump. So 44 presidents we've had have always had a foot in the public in public service. So these laws that are, you know, being broken by Donald Trump and his and his cabinet members, so to say, were laws that were just assumed and were much easier to just assume and make sure they, they those laws didn't get broken than to sit down and actually have Congress vote on them. Because then everybody's, you know, feelings and thoughts and, and the nitty gritty would come out of it and the much bigger issues would have gotten pushed aside. So as people get into public service, you know, myself included, there are just laws that, you know, you know not to break because it's an immoral thing. You are a yeah. public servant. Everything we do is for the people, or at least it should be. We and can Donald no longer Trump, assume morality. <laughs> absolutely. And that's and that's insane in this country, that morality is not something that's, one, taught anymore. Two, it's not cherished. And three, people are exploiting it 
for their better game. Trump's cabinet is the number one example for this. Yes. Which is crazy because they all have money. Why? Why do like, you need to use our money? Well, that's why he picked them. <laughs> why would I want to have poor people in my administration? I don't want to surround myself <laughs> with poor people. Um, just one quick thing to what you said. I, Unless you mean in terms of serving an office, I don't know that W had any necessarily public service, I guess, other than just his, gov- his run as governor. <laughs> but he didn't seem like he give, gave much of a shit about public service either. Well, yes, but I mean, he he was involved enough to understand what these laws sure, and rules yeah. were to not break. You know, like there just, are rules like built osmosis from his father alone being around. The That's what house. I was going to say. Being part of a political family, even is is kind of experience in that way. You don't want to you don't want your family to be smeared, so you're gonna you're gonna do the right thing. And there's none of that here. Yeah. Right. And then these things were taught. You know, when I I'm not I'm not terribly old, but you know, when I was in in high school and even even college and middle school, we were taught that, there, you know, you make the moral decision, you know, what is, what is right and what is wrong. And you go with what is right all the time. And these politicians are literally exploiting that because the, because it says it on a piece of paper and they can. Yep. So whether Donald Trump is, is that's his mission, like low key, I'm hoping that at the end of this, he's going to be like, this was my mission to expose all the holes in the government and to fix them. <laughs> ah, that would be nice. Welcome. I'd be like, oh, that's actually kind of smart. Like, thank you. <laughs> like Trump's but some I sort of idiot that... savant the entire time that he's just a super. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, I'm not, not that's really too. That's our best too, case scenario. <laughs> yeah, not too hopeful, but that would be cool. But uh, just to remind everyone who Tom Price is. He, back when he was being confirmed, it came out that he traded on stocks uh, for industries that he knew he was regulating and voting on. So he yep. basically, yeah, it, it was just insider trading to the nth degree, you know, on, on, <laughs> on a political level. So he's always been a corrupt asshole. But it's just funny because they always claim that they're, you know, these fiscal hawks and these fiscal conservatives. And he literally could have just flown first class. Like nobody's asking him to fly coach. Even though, you know, every time Bernie flies, he flies coach. Well, uh, nobody's asking. One, you can fly a, first class. Meeting. Like, that's fine. Like, he, he missed one engagement, right? Which, yeah. really, who the fuck missed him? I'm sure nobody. Um, he missed one thing, and so suddenly he gets the ability to, to charter whenever ridiculous. he wants. It's absolutely yeah. ridiculous. See, the thing is, he, if he was chartering to meetings across the country, that's within, that's within politicians' political spectrum. Like, they are allowed to say, hey... There isn't a, a commercial flight available for me to get right. there in an instant. Let me charter. That is okay. He wasn't just chartering to meetings because he missed yeah. the flight while he was on a charter, mm-hmm. not yeah. because he took a political or a, a commercial flight, but he was taking it for personal reasons, for vacation. He was taking advantage of the American people knowingly that nobody was looking into him right in that moment. And then once they did, he was like, oh, like, I'll just pay my seat. Like, no big deal. <laughs> yeah. No, like, sorry. Guys, what's the problem? Like, still- no. So yeah, I, I, I agree with LaDonna. It seems like he was definitely forced out because even by they're they're like, God dude, even by our standards, this is fucking awful. Like you can't just, yeah. you can't just do that. Um Which is so bad. He broke the cardinal rule. Like you're not supposed to nobody in Trump's cabinet is supposed to give Trump a bad name. Right? Trump yeah. does that enough. And the cardinal rule right now that's trickling down from left and right is don't give Trump a bad name. That's what he did. So well, you look out. at everyone that's been that that that's gotten knocked out on on like Elimination Friday is what they're starting to call it because they all get fired <laughs> on Friday. They, it's all because they give him anyway. a bad name. Like Scaramucci was like an idiot in that one interview. You know, Bannon talked shit about Trump. They 
it's Reince, of course, has been, you know, was like the leaker and, you know, chief of staff in the White House. Yeah. Well, and Bannon is openly opposing him now, you know, that Alabama yeah. race. He, he that was went for a different candidate. Yeah. I, I think he's seriously oh strategizing. God. Guys, fucking Roy Moore is a lunatic. He is the American <laughs> Taliban. Like, people call yeah. like he. He, I, so I, bad. I can't believe some of the shit that he says. Like I, and but see, here's the thing: is that you know, with Steve Bannon backing any candidate, Americans should be scared. <laughs> this man, no, this no, man I, I agree. Put Trump at the White House because he yeah. backed Donald Trump. He's yeah. backing another candidate now, and this candidate has done everything. You guys have seen the movie 2017 movie called Get Out, right? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, love that movie. Okay, so in this Hold on, movie, I recommended it to you on the freaking podcast like months ago. Come on. <laughs> you should watch, LaDonna, you gotta watch it, girl. This, <laughs> okay. this, this white family takes these this African-American gentleman and changes his brain to like morph him into the, some type of like modern day slave because they think like having uh, an African-American person in their life makes them cultured. Oh. And what they're doing Right now, what Steve Bannon is doing, you know, now in Alabama is he's combing and grooming this person, this figure, to brainwash the minds of everybody there. Yeah. And that's what's happened. It's like modern day get out. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. Everybody should be scared. Yeah. I am terrified. Yeah, no, Roy Moore is a lunatic. He's, he, the things he said <laughs> about gay people is just like, uh, you know, he, he, I mean, this guy's a fucking monster. He called Sandy Hook, like, God's will. He, he said some, just, uh, it's Alex Jones-level shit, and, like, I, you know, like, so, it's... Yes. <laughs> I live in Wisconsin. We have tons of this. Like, yeah, no, I know. <laughs> District 6. I mean, it, yeah, I, I'm used to this now, and I, I'm not even shocked anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah. It's just so sad. Um, so sad. And, yeah, I mean, it's Alabama, so I'm not really holding out too much hope for Doug Jones to, uh, to, to overtake yeah. him. Yeah. But... Well, uh, insider tip here, DNC isn't either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not that he's a bad candidate. Uh, yeah. There are just other people um, that are more just, likely to win, so there's a scale. He and just, he, uh, to me, he doesn't strike me as somebody that Alabama – Alabama and Alabamaites, Alabamians <laughs> would uh, would vote for. He's just very like he's very much like a sad sad. I don't know. Like, I, and this is not about his personal character. He just doesn't strike me as that. Roy Moore literally showed up to a rally with a fucking gun in his hand the other day. Like <laughs> that to Alabama, you know, like talk I, about optics. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, he's the kind of people that you know, middle of Alabama, and I call this Middle Earth. Like, think of, <laughs> you know, Middle Earth here. These people that don't know much, you know, um, are like, ooh, he's got a gun. He supports Second Amendment rights. Ooh, he's a, a white middle class um, a man wearing a cowboy hat. Like, he is definitely what America stands for. And not even America. It's America. America. <laughs> America stands for. And so that's those are the people you have. And that's not everybody in Alabama. Not at all. But it is the greater majority. And those are the people that are going to be out there voting because – they have nothing so better to do because they don't have they jobs. They know their audience. I will say I'm, that. Bannon oh, knows his audience. They're fucking and... great at marketing. I feel so bad yeah. for progressives <laughs> in those states. Especially because I feel like a lot of times the Democratic Party in those states is, is, is so, like, just weakened because they never win that they're never putting forth candidates that actually could beat people like Roy Moore. It's like... Well, if you only have so much money, you're going to make a calculation on where you're most likely to win. And in really heavily gerrymandered areas, yeah. it's like throwing your money in the garbage can. 
Yep. But even so, I Sucks. think the Democrats are just, you know, and I and I work, you know, within the party, and I love my party, and I love them. I have to say that, <laughs> love them. But I, think, you know, <laughs> contractually certain... have to say. <laughs> so, yeah, I do, but I do. No. Um, you know, there are certain points where they just make bad marketing decisions. You know, and I and I'm not. I would be lying to you if I said I didn't tussle with the idea of like diving deep into the Republican Party or like these really really conservative you know, um, correspondents to see how the hell they do it because it, <laughs> it's insane. You know, we we all went to the same marketing schools, all the same classes. Like we learned the same stuff. They are just killing the game. And at, at this point for marketers, it's like, who can say what better and faster? Um, well, I mean, to me, what their strategy seems to be is that the, the party as a whole, the Republicans have no qualms about lying to their base. The, mm -hmm. de the Democrats, uh, also lie to their base but they don't do it as much and that's kind of their disadvantage it's like you're never gonna win <laughs> you're never gonna win an argument when your opponent could just lie and bullshit the entire time and you know claim that they're gonna like with this fucking tax plan they're like oh yeah well we're gonna lower taxes for middle class families meanwhile gary Cohn goes on cnn they're like can you guarantee that this isn't gonna raise taxes for the middle class and he gives like a dodge answer and it's no. and we know it's gonna lower taxes for the for the wealthy it's it's gonna repeal the estate tax yeah. It's going to cut trillions of dollars out of like for, for the top 1%. It's like But the estate tax, let, let's touch on that real quick. The estate tax only affects about 3% of Americans. Yeah. And those exactly. are the wealthiest people in America. So instead of them paying an additional $22,000 on their $16 billion home or million dollar home, $22,000 on that, they now get a credit of $16,000 back <laughs> while middle class Americans, according to this new tax plan, are paying on average a family a uh, family of four with a median income of like seventy thousand dollars, which is high for America, yeah. right? A meet a family of four would be paying an additional twelve hundred and fifty dollars on taxes. Paying that, not yeah. It's yeah, so shameless. Really it's need. so shameless. It's so. It is absolutely. But and, and, so and they'll sell it to idiots and say like, "Oh yeah, no, well, uh, we're going to lower taxes for middle class. We're going to create more deductions. We're going to simplify the tax code." You know. That's the thing is that, that Trump supporters, <laughs> they just believe him at his word. And I was exchanging with one on Twitter the other day who was telling me what a great <laughs> job he was doing with Puerto Rico, and you know, help <laughs> is coming, and you know. It, look at all this because he's saying he's doing a great job. They just believe it. And then if you give them, you know, conflicting information, they go away. They don't want to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about Puerto Rico. I just want to mention one more quick thing on the, on the tax plan. I swear to God, Joe Manchin or any of you other motherfuckers, you better hold strong against this tax bill. If I see <laughs> one democratic vote, I will devote my entire life's work to making sure that person gets beat in a primary. I mean, it, this bill is horrendous. This tax bill, that they, this tax proposal, and if they get right. any of those those kind of you know the blue dogs to vote for it, there should be hell to pay. Come. Yeah, hopefully this was not part of the the deal or the smiles with uh, Schumer and company uh, and Trump. Hopefully I this hope was not. not. I mean that yeah. it seemed to just be the DACA thing, which you know is not the worst thing. But I, yeah, we'll we'll see. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely not something that I. I in the foreseeable future, see any Democrat or even independent at that, you know, uh, spokesperson getting behind because they realize that it's, it's literally smoke and clouds. It's, yep. it's a clown match at this point. And Republicans again are just trying to say the message is not, Hey, we get things done. It's we told you we would try to do healthcare. We told you we would try to lower your taxes. 
so that when the time comes, because he's about to start launching a re-election, mm-hmm. he's going to be like, I told you I would try. I did it. It's not my fault. <laughs> we're going to say it's like, it's yeah. not my fault. You know? So, yeah, no, there's uh, so much about optics. And actually, I'm running into that now because I'm uh, working on a race locally. I'm working for this candidate, Nancy Van, down in Peekskill. Uh, she's running for county legislator. And um, she's running against this guy, John Testa, who's, you know, like a big money Republican. He's tied in with uh, Rob Astorino, who's the county executive. And right now, they're, they're – so we have this power plant near us called Indian Point, right? Uh, nuclear power plant. And – Entergy, the company that owns it, is closing it because they're not making enough money. Um, and they should have closed it anyway because it's falling apart and it constantly fails safety inspections. It leaks nuclear waste into the fucking water supply around it. It's like a nightmare. So, um, you know, it, it's good that they're closing it. Uh, and what Nancy's trying to do is create a... a, a, a comprehensive contingency plan and what she's done is can create this contingency plan to make sure that we replace the lost uh tax money from uh indian point and also find a way to let those indian point workers keep their jobs through the transition and hopefully transition them into other jobs now what rob astorino and john testa the republicans are doing are suing entergy in court uh to keep the plan open which is ridiculous because they're a company, a private company that are saying, we're not making enough money. We're closing this plant because we're not making enough money. So on two <laughs> levels, it's ridiculous and hypocritical. Number one, there's no legal way that they're going to win that case because you can't force a company to keep a, a, like a private company to keep something open if they're losing money. Uh, and number two, it's just funny because these guys claim to be these big free market capitalists, but that's free market capitalism to the nth degree. Like, if it's not making enough money, the energy has a right to close it. Now, I think it should have been closed anyway because I think it's a horrible safety hazard, but um, it's just so a funny. A lot of our nuclear facilities in this country are in oh, really God. bad shape. Yeah. yeah, it's just Chernobyl waiting to happen. Um, yeah. But it's just really funny to me because it's like they're only doing that for a campaign promise so they can go around to those workers in that area Mm-hmm. and say, I'm trying to keep your job. And it's bullshit. It's the same thing Trump did with the coal, coal miners. Yeah. And, but but it's like they have no compunctions about lying about it, and that's why they win. Like, that's... And, and I'm not... I don't know the answer. Like, I'm not saying Democrats should lie because that, you know, obviously you shouldn't lie about shit like that when it comes to people's livelihoods. I just... That's why they win, and I don't know what the answer is to beat that sort of... What's the lawsuit bullshit. based on? Like, was there a tax incentive that the company got to to be there? And so, you know, now them leaving is is against that, or do you know the basis of, as far of why as I they're? Can tell there's nothing super detailed like that. They're just suing hmm. to keep it open. Like they're just saying that, like you know, you have to honor your your commitment to the community and all this stuff. And like, ultimately, when it comes down to it, it should have been a public utility to begin with. They shouldn't have sold it yeah. off to some fucking corporation. Um, but privatizing everything is the answer, Anthony. <laughs> exactly. But you know what? See, it's like they privatize the gains and socialize the losses. It's like yeah. they could, if, if it was a public utility, you could say, yeah, it has to stay open. We have to funnel some more money into it to make sure it's up to code. But if a private company owns it, they can do whatever the fuck they want with it. They can close it. It's like, you know, hey, that's that's your your ideal free market capitalism is, is, is that. Is. So I don't. So and and they know this. That's the whole point. Is that like and this is the typical Republican thing is that they know this, and they're just keeping the plan. They're just uh, keeping this lawsuit alive 
even though they're wasting taxpayer money, we think, although they're being very shady about where they're getting the money for this trial from. Uh, they're, but they're wasting money just so they can use this as a campaign slogan. So how do you, how do you combat that is the question. And I don't think anyone really has the answer. Yeah, that's, that's been a huge question for Democrats, you know, since, since the 2016 elections coming off, you know, November 9th, 2016, we were like, what the hell happened? Uh, you know, like where, where did we, where did we fail? Obviously we saw large faults and, you know, on both sides, but you know, the, the, the thing everybody on many sides, many (laughs) sides, but uh, the thing that we're seeing as we go through, um, you know, the days and time is that it's the dissemination of the information. So it's not so much that they care about what the lawsuit does. It's about the way it looks and who's, who's talking about it. Um, and it, it it's so sad that Republicans just so happen to be keeping that amount of money in these lawsuits or in these, you know, private charters or that, that type of money is actually being funneled to create conversations that are not necessarily 100 percent true. And then it falls on the American people at the same time because we're not fact checking. You know, now the millennial culture, the larger group of voters is so that's causing conversation to happen. But for the mass majority of people, they're still not fact-checking. They still trust that their government is supposed to tell them the truth and that whatever news is coming out of it, that anybody that opposes something that has been is just trying to change it for their benefit. Right. Which is well, always- I think it's exhausting for people. I mean, there's so many different Rich issues right now. Time, yeah. yeah, and so, you know, at some point you just, you get, you know... Battle fatigue, really. Well, and which is how they, much. which is how they funnel through, you know, crazy stuff because people are so tired of of them lying, being lied to, and being manipulated. That eventually you're just like, I don't even care anymore. So they've gotten to that point where That's I don't why drink a beer is is uh, trending on Twitter rather than support progressives. <laughs> yeah. Well, get this. So um, you guys know my my boyfriend. We live in Jersey. Uh, there's a local election here, and he did a mail in ballot. So. Because I'm nosy, I I, do, I have no no part in the Jersey election right now. Uh, but I was nosy, so I looked at the ballot before he voted, and I looked, and on one of the provisions, it says it's a, an environmental um, uh, uh, money. So the money, the state of New Jersey collects money from taxpayers for environmental protections. Um, it then says that the money collected from the state would only go towards environmental protections of, you know, public parks and other sanctuaries within the state to make sure that they were um, preserving them and keeping them to code. The last line of this entire big paragraph that is confusing to most people, and I guarantee you 90% of them are probably not reading, says that also these monies can be used for any legal fees, contractors, <laughs> or other necessary <sighs> to push this legislation. I was like, there it is. <laughs> this is really, you know how they're swinging in there. In 2016, I and I consider myself very, you know, fairly politically astute. We had some ballot measures that were like two paragraphs long, and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck this is asking me. Like, I've I had the same yep. experience. Yeah, I'm and like, what am I? What am I voting on? <laughs> yeah, and like we know what happens in politics. They purposely do that. So, and and there actually is one coming up in 2017 locally here uh, to vote yes or no on a constitutional convention. Uh, yep. Which is interesting because a lot of you know all, all the progressives, close, yeah. all well, all, no, well, there's one for a New York State uh, constitutional convention. Oh, so prevailing wisdom would be like, well, yeah, we're a democratically controlled state, let's do it. 
but all the progressives and all the labor uh, groups around here are saying don't do it because the way the delegates are selected are through these gerrymandered districts from the state house and it'll be a disaster like so it i, I worry that people aren't getting that message because i on the if i got into the ballot box without knowing any of this i probably would vote yes because i'm like oh yeah great we're democratically controlled we'll get like legal recreational pot here or something you know through this constitutional convention but uh it might not turn out the way that we would want so it, it's just people don't have time to pay attention to this shit it, it's really true but the way I, you know i said i don't know how we combat that kind of misinformation i think the, the merit only... code yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you sure there's a merit code attached to it no i think the way you 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 can you, you combat that kind of false promising is actually promote progressive policies that you can deliver on and i think ultimately the american people like the are the american people are on our side on, on most of these issues on almost all these issues you know health care for all college all this all this shit is like it polls you know 60 percent or greater so it's like if you present yourself as the candidate because you know republicans aren't gonna support those issues so if you present yourself as a candidate who's going to fight for those things i think you're going to win even with a republican lying about taxes or lying about other things like that so here's the thing i i find really interesting um we've been talking a lot about democrat republican versus versus progressives right um in many of our conversations that's just what happens and so the daily show just did and i know they're a, a satire but they they hold a lot of truth to what they do um, and they did a piece where they took the health care bill that was presented, the Cassidy, uh, Lindsey Graham bill, and they explained it in Democratic terms to people on the street. And then they explained it in Republican terms. Hmm. And they said this is a Republican bill. They said because people don't know. Um, yeah. They said it's a Republican bill, a Democratic bill. And then they said, oh, this is, you know, part of uh, or this is one section of like what they're doing for healthcare progressives. Right. They tried to explain it in different ways. And if you put a label on it saying this is Democrat, this is Republican, this is progressive, people already have a stigma sure. associated. They're saying the same things, changed maybe one or two words, but it, it was exactly the same information. It's, it's all into the marketing of it. And that's the sad part is that it's not just facts. It's not just information that's being given anymore. It's the wordsmithing and how you're, how you're doing it that's confusing people. And that's why people don't want to pay attention. It's not because it's such a, a grand idea. Sometimes it is. Like healthcare is a very complex thing. But for the most part, for the, the nitty-gritty details that are going to affect the individual person, those aren't very complicated details. And they make it seem so difficult that you're not able to grasp it because it's a, such a Republican thing or such a Democratic thing. So where people fault, you know, where what side they're on is what side they understand better, right? Because yeah. ideally, over time, and we've proved this, that Democrats and Republicans have switched, you know, their, their ideologies and their values over time. They have literally switched what each other believes in right. and just to, just to sell themselves better. Um, and they've said a different way so that that's what's happening. And people are just confused and they're tired of being confused. Um, so it's just, it's, it's insane. And I think, you know, the way to, to, to combat that is by breaking it down, simple facts. What does this bill do? Give me the facts. Cause the senators know the congressman pushing this knows the legislators that are writing it. know. the bill writers know. The, they don't want you to know. <laughs> right. But that's, that's, well, the, that's yeah. the I mean, progressives i agree and some democrats that want to give you this basic information because it makes one it makes everybody's job a whole hell of a lot fucking easier 
Well, yeah. you know, your I, point about our biases is really interesting, though, because I've seen other segments where they took quotes and they said, who said it, Hillary Clinton or Trump? You know, and it's like if, if you if they were told, you know, that Hillary Hillary Clinton said it, Hillary Clinton supporters would agree with it, even if it was a Trump statement. So I think our biases really do play into this. And, you know, we need to be cognizant of it constantly because we're we're always being sold to. (laughs) And considering some of the stuff Hillary has said post-election, I wouldn't be shocked if they did say very similar quotes in terms of... It was actually uh, surprising the things that they pulled from each of them, things that you wouldn't have thought. that 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 you could go either way on. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, look, I mean, to your point, what you were saying about the labeling and the way you phrase it, that's certainly true. Like they did polling on like Medicare for all, for all versus single payer versus socialized medicine. The great yep. thing about that, though, is even socialized medicine polls above 50 percent now. It's it's like wow. it's which is crazy, because if you say if you said socialism to people 20 years ago, they would like, you know, like run, run you out of the country. Cool. Yeah, I was told it was um, evil, you know, of all evils. Yeah, because well, they equate socialism, socialism yeah. with communism, yeah. which, it's just, yeah. which is just not at all what it is. I mean, it's just yeah. a ridiculous, uh, purposeful, you know, oversimplification. And that's so interesting. I've talked about this before, is millennials do not have the same view of socialism. And they're the ones that are coming, you know, into power. And the next largest power block, Gen X was smaller. And so the country is going to swing left. It's going to happen, regardless it's, of whatever it's already happening, yeah. other fuckery they do. It's going to happen. So it's just good to watch. Yeah, no. And it's, it's just... What? I was just going to say, it is just an exciting thing to see how educated this generation is. Because that, that's why it's happening. Because, LaDonna, you said you hit the nail on the head, and I agree with you on this, that when we were in school... Talking about socialism was at the very bottom of the chart. It was like, you know, you had those like diagrams in social studies where it's like, talk, write five facts about the Democratic Party, write five facts about the Republican Party, and then write a sentence about socialism and communism mm-hmm. at the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what it was. And that's all you talked about. You only talked about the negatives of it. And the same thing with communism, the negatives of it. So you were trained to believe that that's what it was. And, and now people are like, wait a minute, these two options don't work for me. <laughs> Millennials are innovative as fuck, so they're like, well, (laughs) this is what we need to do, you know, and it's just, I am so glad that I'm a millennial. (laughs) Well, it's it's also just explaining to people that we fucking have socialism already anyway. We're a social democracy. We have so many things. It's just a matter of what you prioritize as a a greater good as opposed to something that deserves to be uh, up to the profit motive. Now, most rational people, especially people our age, would say healthcare does not and should not be left up to the profit motive. You know, it, it, moving the older generation there is one thing, but I think a lot of them even, which is why it's polling above, you know, 50 and sometimes above 60%, is they realize because they've been fucking bankrupted by these hospital bills and these medical bills. It's like, yeah, this is ridiculous. We shouldn't have to die or, you know, go into poverty because we get a non-preventable illness. Like, it's just insane. So, Well, Republicans have been really successful at convincing people that, that um, others want to take from them, basically. But, you know, we've talked about this before, 47% of the population in the U.S. doesn't even pay taxes, right? So they think something's being taken from them. It's not. 
in the takers, most cases, according to Mitt Romney. Yeah, the takers yeah. and the makers. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, people are just wrong, but they've been convinced everybody's going to try to take from me. So I got to protect what's mine rather than what's really good in terms of policy. Well, Let's and, have that discussion. And and the Medicare for all bill that that Conyers uh, is proposing and that Bern, it's the similar one that Bernie's proposing would actually save us money and would actually save the yeah. average medium uh, median uh, household money because they're paying slightly more in taxes, but you're paying way less in premiums. You're not paying yeah. premiums. So it's like when you explain that to people and when you get that stage, uh, you know, we'll talk more about healthcare at the end because I want to talk about that healthcare debate on CNN, but we should uh, touch on Puerto Rico because that's uh, a disaster. And LaDonna, yeah. you've been highlighting on social media and nobody's really paying attention to it because there's been so much garbage going on with Trump and the NFL which we'll touch it on a little so bit later. Tough. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even, it hadn't even trended for a while there. And I just kept, I kept saying, what do I need to do? Just tweet out the words, Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico. And that's finally what I did for a little while. Like, I'm going to keep sending this out until Puerto Rico relief finally started trending. And, you know, luckily there, there have been some articles out there and some pieces on CNN highlighting it. But, you know, most of the islands still without power. And it's a healthcare crisis. Hospitals not having power, you know, only having generators at, at best is a huge healthcare crisis. And that's just not even talking about the flash floods that are coming. There's a new warning about that, oh or what's happening with you know all of the water that's that's been there. I mean, the you know sanitation issues come into play. All sorts of diseases can happen as a result of this. And that's only you know the, the stuff with FEMA and the things that have been put into place already. First of all, they weren't getting to people. But second of all, that's short-term relief. We need to have a discussion about long-term relief for Puerto Rico because that island has been in crisis for a while. They've been taken advantage of by Wall Street. And we need to have a, a more honest discussion about that. Yeah. I, I 100% agree. You know, yo uh, Boricua. So I, I'm very prideful of my island. You know, I may have been born, you know, in Oklahoma, but my entire family comes from Puerto Rico, and I still have family there. And so I was just telling you guys before the show that today, even a week plus after the incident, and I'm just now getting communication with the rest of my family that are there. And it is, you know, a huge issue. And Trump just decided that he was going to relieve the Jones Act on yeah. – what did he do this on Tuesday? That he decided yeah. he was going to relieve the Jones Act. But um, – yesterday on, on Thursday sorry yeah um, but he should have done this immediately it should have been something that he knew was going to hit Puerto Rico immediately after they were already hit you know uh, from the first hurricane and then they were hit again really really badly and knowing that a hundred percent of the island for five days was a hundred percent without power and communication how can well, you, you know sit he he gave away the game a little bit because he's such a fucking idiot Unlike most other Republican politicians that get in there, he just can't, he doesn't know how to lie because he hasn't been in politics. He said, well, you know, there's a lot of shippers. We have a lot, a lot of uh, people in the shipping industry are very reluctant to, you don't say that, idiot. That's <laughs> like, that's, you're giving away your fucking cronyism right there. That's, that's exactly what is the truth and why, you know, most Republicans wouldn't overturn it right away. But they would say something like, well, we're reviewing the process to make sure it's done in a safe and effect they would come up with some bullshit he's just too stupid for code well so many legislators you know had been active and had been writing letters requesting this and i think the answer from the administration was well we haven't gotten a request from industry yet what yeah. the fuck that's, and that's exactly that's exactly true because the industry 
was just waiting. They they aren't going to ask, you know, hey, can we do this? Can we move in? No, because it's going to cost them money, but they are willing to help. But yeah. that's where it's like that moral that moral line. It's like, yeah, we'll help you if you ask us to, but we're not going to like step up if you really need us. You know, so now they're go- getting there. But even even now, these ports that were open, like after the hurricane, ports were all closed. Everything was, was damaged. But there was still a way to get there. Like Puerto Rico is not that far off the south of, south tip of Florida. Yeah. It is not that far, right? It is a day's, not even a day's trip on a boat away. And you can get there. And they were waiting, and they're able to get there and get people off. Mass cruise liners are able to pass through the island. I have a cruise set for June of 2018 to go to Puerto Rico. And now I'm like, the hell am I going to go to Puerto Nothing's going to be there. Yeah. You know, but these there's, there's ways for people to get supplies and for people to get out. And these, these companies needed to wait for Donald to, to make a decision. And I'm calling him by his first name because that's the, the amount of little respect that I have for him as the president. <laughs> Well, and then he said, you know, he wasn't going to go there, which I mean, okay, most presidents would be like, yeah, I need to go there. I need to see the devastation, whatever. He's like, their answer to that was there were infrastructure problems. Well, of course there are. That's why we want you to go you there. Know, he's such an idiot. That, like, <laughs> even even Bush understood that you you have to get a photo op at least of you showing up. Exactly. He's too stupid to even realize that. Like Bush, I mean, we all remember Crazy, the Bush, too. the flyover photo op of Katrina where he's leaning yep. out the plane window like a fucking idiot you know like i mean, I mean but he understood the the importance of well he feeling. yeah and, yeah, and whether he gave a Trump's shit or katrina. not he probably didn't this is, i think this is worse handled than katrina was like katrina yeah. was handled horribly but this is fucking I, this is this is worse i, I mean earlier, i really think this is worse it seems worse people are saying it's bordering on genocide at this point that's how bad it is it's unbelievable oh, absolutely absolutely because because hospitals the jet the hospitals that are running basic generators aren't getting enough diesel to support you know critically care patients so their death rate is up into the thousands at this point thousands for people that is that is oh, the exact same amount of people or just barely under the state of florida thousands of them are dying daily because they don't get their medical care American citizens. Let's just remind way, everyone no that these are American citizens. Okay, yeah. it shouldn't matter, but let's remind it, they are. But citizens. it does matter to Americans for some stupid yeah. ass reason. It's insane. So the Washington Post had to redact their newspaper yesterday because the headline, the top story in the Washington fucking Post, right yesterday, mm-hmm. was an image of a woman, a Caucasian woman, standing in an airport holding an, a, a baby. And it was like, why can't, or, or a story from a stranded American in Puerto Rico. And people were like, the fuck? These people are <laughs> citizens. Uh, what, did you miss the, did you miss the boat on that? Like, well, and that's I, the other piece of this is the, the lack of representation that they have, the lack of a voice in government that they have that, that we need to deal with. Yes. It's, it's so sad, you know, and, and the, you know, representatives have come out and they're, they're crying. They're literally saying that my entire family, like, I'm lucky to be standing in front of you, begging you to help other people. But I've lost family. I've lost, you know, close friends of mine. I've lost my entire home. And you still expect me to beg you to for some humanity, for some help. Like, it's not like where they're asking for a million dollar bailout or they're asking for, you know, things that are really complicated. It's like, no, get these people off that island onto safe, dry land while they repair. And give them shelter and food. And give things them like... shelter, right. It's not like we don't have the space. 
Like we do. Yeah. And that was one of the things I saw earlier. There was a CNN story where a woman was, you know, diabetic. She was had an infection. She'd been at a shelter for days. There was a doctor that they couldn't get her to the ER. No ambulance would take her because they quote unquote didn't have paperwork. And so, you know, finally, I guess they, you know, pulled some strings, CNN did, and they were able to get her into a hospital, but still no ambulance would take her because of this paperwork issue. So they wound up taking her, the CNN people. I mean, you know, thankful for that, but this is a problem. These are people that will die if they don't get treatment and we're waiting on paperwork. And we saw uh, earlier today, the the mayor of San Juan was on CNN and because Trump, of course, can't fucking help but gloat about the recovery effort as if he's doing some amazing, because that's been his M.O. his whole career, is that just make it seem like you're doing a great job when you're really fucking, you know, blowing it. He's been tweeting about, oh, great relief, everything's going great, it's a really happy story. What's He literally tweeted, it's a happy, it's going to be a happy story, the recovery effort down there. Oh my god. And the, and the mayor of San Juan's like, what the fuck is right? She was like crying, she didn't say what the fuck, but... Basically, yeah. she on CNN. She was like, "What is like wrong with you? Like, we there's people like she's and she's living among the people. She's not living in like a mansion, you know. She's like mm-hmm. living without power. She's living with all her residents, and she's like, like people are dying. Like people don't have food. They don't have water. They don't have electricity. What are you talking about? You're doing horribly. This is this is you know you're doing a heck of a job, brownie, to the thousandth degree. It's like." I, Ugh, I don't know. It's, it's getting aggressive there, and it's getting scary because they still don't have power. They don't have enough food. They don't have enough water. They don't have safety sh- or shelter. That's such They're, a disaster they don't way safe. to happen. Even access to money, ATMs. I mean, that's access been a problem. To even get on planes, and people that do have credit cards are like, we're able to salvage that when they get to the airport. It's days and days. My family that is still there is not able to be removed until next week. And probably not even that because it'll probably be pushed back, you know. And so they're going to be there for without without basic human necessities, and they're expected to just you know thank America for getting them out. Like yeah. no, so guys, I just want to put this out there, Ladonna. If they can donate um, or or lend your hand, send your old goods, you know your your uh, not your old goods, but like your old clothes, your old supplies, whatever. Go to handinhand2017.com. Um, and donate because it's it's critical that these people you know get our help it's just it's basic human decency and i know absolutely you have one right ladonna oh uh there was another one hispanic uh hispanic federation.org yes uh lynn manuel miranda i don't know if he started it or if he's like associated with them but he's been tweeting that out by the way i i tweeted at him earlier because he keeps posting these pictures he's he's going around the country collecting celebrity vocals basically because he's trying to do a big charity track to you know raise money for the relief effort and i'm like fucking lin-manuel miranda can jet across the country and get all these all-stars to do uh you know this this relief song but we can't pass a relief bill in congress like it's amazing to me that we still have yeah mark cuban mark cuban donated his plane you know to be able to get goods there but you know i think we have two things here and i think you know these charities are awesome but i think we've got to recognize there's the problem in puerto rico and then the people that come here from puerto rico are also very much going to be in need so even if you're not able to donate funds to one of these organizations if you're able to lend a room to someone i think there are going to be ways to help the people that come here that start with nothing literally nothing and have to start over absolutely and there's there's positive things that people can do you know just just supporting them by you know welcoming into your churches into your communities by 
you know, praying with them. Like Puerto Ricans are very loving and caring and caring people. They're American. They're American citizens. They've been American citizens for longer than I have been alive, for longer than the majority of my family has been alive. If people can, and not just Puerto Rico, the Virgin Islands is in the exact same situation, yeah. but just because they're smaller and two, we still don't have full communication with them. So, you know, if you can help in any way, make sure you're, you're retweeting, you know, donation sites, put that on your Twitter. That's a free thing you can do. Make sure you're asking your friends that are, you know, have old clothes that are going to the Goodwill. Don't go to the Goodwill, send it to the Salvation Army, send it to Hand in Hand, and they will get those clothes to people that don't have anything. Um, and that can be, you know, it's, it's a good deed for the day, good deed for the year, like help a person in need. Yeah. And, you know, when all this is said and done, we do need to, well, not we, but like the country needs to have a larger discussion about the way we've, we've, you know, just denied them basic rights as a, as a territory. I mean, they've been U.S. citizens for all this time, yet they're not able to vote in the presidential election or they're, you know, they're not, um, they're not, oh, well, the Puerto Rico is also not protected uh, with bankruptcy protection, which is the big problem that they've nope. run into there because- yep our government let a bunch of fucking wall street cronies go in there and buy up real estate uh, and basically do the same shit that they were doing here where there was like a pump and dump scheme. And now that their uh, economy's in the shitter, they have no bankruptcy protection and it's not yep. their fault, but it's like every other state. And Trump won't commit to, to um, working on any long-term infrastructure issues there. He's no, so far said so he won't commit no, to it. Because so. it because and everyone's kicked the can down the road on this. Uh, like mm -hmm. they, which just is, you know, again, why I always harp on Democrats and Republicans need to not pay lip service to shit like this. Same thing with DACA. You keep kicking the can down the road and eventually you're going to get to a lunatic like Trump who's going to try to upend the whole system. You got to help these people when you can. Like when, when Democrats are in office, we got to help these people because, you know, the Republicans aren't going to do it. So well, hopefully when, you know, we can have a, you know, if Puerto Rico can even recover, I mean, you know, I, yeah. Who knows what the fuck's going to happen? I mean, I, you know. The last thing I want to say on this topic is that racism pays because DACA, because, um, you know, the Dakota Access Pipeline, because of Puerto Rico, because yep. of Syrian refugees. They are not white Americans. And it has, I, I, I love white people. I love people. I am not I a know. racist. White people are fucking much. horrible. For the most part. <laughs> I can I, say it. It's cool. <laughs> white, black, purple, green, or yellow. I love people. But the core of our society is based in racism. And racism pays. Racism sells. Racism is something that is is marketable. Um, and it's free marketing. Right? You you don't have to prove that these people are good because they're different than you. It's fear-mongering. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if people can't see past that, um, that, you know, no matter the color of my skin or, you know, my religion or the part of the country or the world that I come from, I am still human just like you and we can fundamentally agree on things, then we're never going to get past this. And that's not anything Congress can do. That's not anything, you know, any politician we ever elect. It is a human decency. And if you are not a decent human being, then I'll say it here. You should fucking die <laughs> because you are not a decent human being and you are destroying what is left of this planet and the people. Well, to your point, Sorry. I mean, if this was happening in Alaska, something else that's not attached to the U.S. mainland but is, you know, has U.S. citizens living in it, this wouldn't even be an issue. People would have been up there. There would have been relief already. People would have been, 
you know, if they had some kind of ice hurricane, I don't even know what the fuck happens in Alaska, natural disasters, but <laughs> ice if it was, if this was, if this was happening to Alaska instead of Puerto Rico, we would not be having this conversation because there would be relief and there would be money and every kind of possible resource you could think of making its way up there. But because it's Puerto Rico and it's a bunch of brown people, they're like, eh, well, you know, we'll do, we'll do the bare minimum, basically. And it's, just it's from a personal experience. Um, you know, I grew up in, in Allentown, Pennsylvania for a good portion of, uh, you know, junior high and high school. And there's a big uh, Hispanic and particularly Puerto Rican population there. And I will tell you, I have never, ever felt more welcomed by anyone else than Puerto Rican people. You come into their house, you will leave full. I mean, it, it's just their hospitality, their warmth. These are great people we need to help. <laughs> Yeah, no, one of, my, one of my best friends in high school who I used to buy drugs from was uh, Puerto Rican. I should probably cut that part <laughs> out of the podcast. <laughs> buy drugs. Wow. Okay. okay. We were there. Just, just pot people. Nothing, nothing, nothing major. <laughs> Guys, I just, I just want to mention, I, um, I regrettably am going to say this. I follow Donald Trump on Twitter and get his updates oh, every time too. he... Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah, he tweets just for the, the sheer fuckery of what yeah, he's going to say. Absolutely. He tweeted... Dan Scavino Jr., um, that they're sending the one, just one ship, one, um, to Puerto Rico. Uh, It's a health ship from Northwark, Virginia. And they did a big press conference. They did a big press conference on um, the whole relief that they're sending this this one ship that'll get there um, by Monday. It's not even fast enough to get there through the yep. weekend. So one ship um, that can hold real, like real helpful. Yeah. Real helpful. That's all he said. Yeah. That's all they're sending right now um, because that's what can get there. <laughs> wow. He's literally the things I want to say about him. I yeah. just, I just can't. Well, so, you know, he, he ignored this for days and it was largely because he was occupied tweeting about, uh, something way more important, I guess, to him, which was NFL players uh, protesting police brutality by uh, taking a knee. Super not okay with this, apparently. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I don't really know even where to begin with this, but... So I want to I start with where this came from, where the protests of take a knee came from. And in 2016, um, Colin Kaepernick, was the one to originally, and I posted about this. Um, I don't know if you guys saw on my on my Facebook page that yeah, I, I did start some digging in the instead of sitting. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. So I want to go through this timeline because I thought it's really important to understanding why this got so big and why people started um, uh, protesting against taking any. So in April 14th of 2006, or August 14th of 2016, so a little over a year ago, um, he sits, Colin Kaepernick sits for the first time, and then he does it again for the next week, and then, you know, there's a letter sent out to him by a former veteran who sympathizes with the fact, like a white man sympathizes with his, with his pain and tries to understand that Colin is, is not sitting because he disrespects the country or the flag, but is sitting because he doesn't feel like this country is protecting him or his people or anybody that is, you know, relatively close to a person of color. So then he's like, I, I suggest, you know, I would love to further this conversation with you. Let's do that. So then Colin Kaepernick, what day is this? Um, on August 26, 2016. So a year, almost to the date. Um, 
sits down with um, Nate Boyer, a former a former Army Green Beret. sits down with him, talks to him about what it means to take a knee, and you know, sitting versus standing, and, and this whole process. And, and you know, he understands that taking a knee is what happens at the end of a sports game when somebody is hurt. And you're, you're taking a knee because you, you want to make sure that they're okay. Or it happens in the military when you're passing, you know, the flag um, at a military funeral from, you know, the, the deceased to the next of kin. And you're, you're, you're bowing to them. You're, you're, you know, you feel for them. It's a feeling of, of sadness for them. And so this, this motion of taking a knee during the anthem is representation of that. Mm-hmm. And through, over the year, it started off with, you know, before almost two weeks ago, before 202 people had done it, like maybe 46 total players just in the NFL had taken a knee to support Colin Kaepernick's, you know, initial push of why all this was a huge deal. And then Donald Trump goes and says, this is terrible. I hate the NFL. They have terrible ratings. ESPN this, NFL this, you know, black players should all be All about ratings. But yeah, all about ratings. It's all about the show, you know, because he's a celebrity. And it goes into, it's like, he basically said black players should just be grateful that you're even allowed to play yeah, an American sport and make money so because not you're entertaining. veiled racism. Right. right. In one of his speech, he was like, you know, they should be, they should be fired if they don't listen to you. It's like lynching them if they don't yeah. listen. Well, you're kidding. So I have a thousand, <laughs> I have a thousand things I want to dig into on this. So the other thing he said, I think yesterday was that oh, well, a lot of these owners are scared of their players, which is another just super unveiled racist, you know, thing to say. Um, he's, you know what? So he said it in a rally first. One of, for some reason, he's still holding fucking campaign rallies, even though he just won the goddamn election. Don't ask me why. Um, again. Yeah, well, I mean, he's running again, but, like, it's... I don't think anyone's ever run a campaign rally this close to their... No, and it's also for legal fees. He's literally, he's raising money for legal fees right now as part of this. So that, that is very true. He also doesn't know how, because he doesn't know how to be a president. He has to occupy his time. So it's an ego thing too. I mean, he just likes the, he likes the AB testing of, of his rally crowds. You just say things out loud. (laughs) Um, so he sent this at a rally, right? And it got a great reaction. So from the crowd, from his, you know, the people that would still show up to a Donald Trump rally <laughs> in in September 26, uh, 2017. Um, but of course, he got a lot of negative mainstream press about it because it's like, well, why are you even talking about this? You're, you're a maniac. Uh, so whenever he gets any kind of negative press, he has to quadruple down, which is his, you know, thing. And it turned into a much bigger thing than it, than it maybe had to because he, you know, started talking about it. Um you know, I've been following Colin Kaepernick doing this for a while, and people don't understand, like, my annoyance with the whole thing, this, that, that, the way it was kind of handled by the NFL players and owners and everything this weekend, I do feel like it, 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 it it's been Martin Luther King-ized, I don't know if that's a verb that you can use, but, it, <laughs> you, you, what I mean is that it started off as a very important, uh, active protest uh much like the the protest from the olympics you know with the, with the raised fist a protest against police brutality um when that's what colin kaepernick was kneeling for i think he actually started doing it after the freddie gray verdict or the trayvon Ver- I, it was one of the big verdicts yeah. where a cop got off for ki- um, killing an unarmed black kid 
Um, which, how sad is it that, that there are so many cases now? They that, can't that even fucking like... tell which one it is. You know, yeah, there's yeah. so many. So he started doing it after that, right? And he was the only one doing it for a while. And, you know, a couple other players joined in. But I think, as Rachel said, it was less than a couple dozen, you know, it was maybe a couple dozen, whatever it was, you know, back in 2016. Um, the really kind of politically active ones were doing it. Um, so then his contract was up or he was released. I'm not really sure how that worked in 20, at the end of, at the end of 2016 and nobody signed him (laughs) citing his play, uh, which is fucking hilarious because he had a 92% rating. I believe a quarterback rating last year. He had like 16 touchdowns, four interceptions. Anyone who knows football knows that that's a great season. Number four. Yeah. He was the number four quarterback in the league. It's fucking impossible for him not to be. And not even to not just start, but to not be one of the top 100 quarterbacks in the league where people who've never played a down in the NFL are on teams and the Jets have fucking Josh McCown starting a quarterback for them. I mean, you're telling me we couldn't use fucking Colin. So it's ridiculous. It's totally because the owners are mostly old, white, rich people, uh, a lot of whom donated to Donald Trump, and they just don't want that kind of player on their team. So, yeah, it was interesting to see the Packers here did not kneel. And no, there's a picture of them that was so interesting because, you know, they're arm in arm and it was this, you know, message about unity or whatever. Every single player there looked like they were being forced to do it. it, it I mean, it's it so just they clearly were. The arm thing so, is fucking making me crazy because anyone that says that that's an adequate protest, I think that's ridiculous because he, Trump himself told you. Arm it, holding, locking arms is okay. Kneeling is bad. He literally tweeted that, which means that this is probably something that the fucking billionaire owners cooked up to say, "Look, we're all united." It's it's a meaningless platitude. Kneeling was an it, actual form of protest. Like locking arms is to me is bullshit. Like, and no, it, this would have been an issue because up until two thousand nine, the players weren't even on the field for yeah. a national anthem the, the dod decided that they wanted for recruiting you know for publicity or whatever to start propaganda. doing that war propaganda yeah exactly <laughs> so there's there's a financial component to this as well but it's not taking away like the kneeling is is not taking away it's not politicizing you know the nfl it's not politicizing the sport itself it's a person that you know he's a he's a human again that human decency he did not feel that the decisions that was made, I think it was after Trayvon, actually, um, that the cop got free, that he was like, look, I am not protected. As an African-American in this country, I am not protected, period. And he was like, this is not okay. And I am not going to, I'm not going to, you know, incite violence. I'm not going to hold a press conference or a rally or do anything. I'm going to, in my own way, because it is my legal right, as I am not playing, I'm not working in this moment, Mm -hmm. I am allowed to kneel during the anthem. Yeah. And he did. And it was a huge issue because people don't understand the magnitude that is happening to people in this country of what of what this means, not the protest. Put the protest aside. The reason he is protesting is the biggest issue and nobody understands it. And so, you know, now white Americans that are coming out and saying, oh, my God, I can't believe my team. It was all over my timeline. I saw people posting, I can't believe my team. I never thought my team would do this. My team, my team, my team, right? And it, they were predominantly talking about, you know, a lot of my friends, you know, I grew up in Maryland. A lot of my friends in Maryland were like, the Ravens, how could they? The Ravens are 97% African-American. Are you kidding? First off. Second, these people of Maryland and Baltimore itself is one of the most 
criminalized areas in the entire country. It's the fourth largest uh, crime capital in the entire country. And you really think that these these figures that represent this community are not going to stand for police brutality or kneel for it's, police it's brutality? It's insane. It's one of the most like, corrupt police department. It's actually, I believe it's the most corrupt police department in the major city in, in, in the country, the Baltimore PD. Yeah, it's, Chicago, it's yeah. Absolutely. But it's like, wait a minute. You, you are telling them that they are being disrespectful for your flag, but you are sitting at home watching this happen. Sitting on your couch, drinking a Budweiser with an American flag on it in your with American your gut flag, hanging so out. sitting sitting on the American flag, wrapping it around your neck, getting shit all over it as you like flock <laughs> in Sunday in the country with cowgirl boots and stomping all over you know a napkins that have the American flag on it, and you don't see the irony in your disrespect because now it's they're making it an issue about the flag, about the country. No, it's if you're so butthurt about it, it's because you don't understand. What's faux patriotism? It's like, I I think we are the way more patriotic ones because we want this fucking country to be better for everybody and for people to be treated fairly under the Constitution. If Absolutely. you don't fucking want that, you're not a patriot. You don't believe well, look, in America. MAGA isn't MAGA. MAGA is make America white again because yeah. that's really what the undertone there is. So yeah. but, uh, real quick about the arms thing. So it should have been a huge tip off to anybody that this was not that that was not a real protest when every yeah. jet did it. Because the Jets owner, Woody Johnson, is Trump's best buddy and now our ambassador to the United Kingdom. So, and and the New York sports writers uh, heard rumblings from the players that they made it very clear that they would be punished if they knelt for the anthem. So, if anyone still thinks that it's, oh, it's great that Ruben, uh, what's his face, the Seattle Seahawks owner, was, or not the Seahawks, the, um, the Redskins owner or whoever it was, was, like, locking arms with the... Or the Jaguars, excuse me, Jaguars. No, the Redskins the owners. owners. The Cowboy owner did it as well. Yeah, and it's like, it, it. if you're not kneeling during the anthem, you're not protesting. If you're doing it just to make a show of fake unity, you're not... It, it, it's meaningless. Like, these people all are Trump's buddies. They've donated to him. They believe, They don't give a shit about this issue. If it, it, The whole point is that it was a solidary act of protest, and... For anyone that says that that doesn't belong in sports, you're out of your fucking mind. Because some of the greatest athletes of all time have used their platform for social good. I mean, Muhammad Ali, you know, yeah. was one of the most vocal act- vocal voices for activism. You know, he, he went to jail because he wouldn't go to Vietnam. Like, I mean, it's like you can't get more of a more of a socially conscious uh, athlete than that. And he's the greatest, one of the greatest fucking athletes of all time. He's one of the, you know, the greatest boxer of all time. Uh, you know, uh, it, it just, uh, you can go down the list. I mean, everybody, and it's just, it, it, it's, it's basically the, a lot of football fans and I, you know, this, this is anecdotal, but a lot of football fans, especially ones I know are conservative leaning older white men. And it's like, yeah. they love to watch these black people bash their heads against each other and kill themselves for their entertainment. But the second they want an equitable voice and what happens in this country, it's like, oh, Shut up, you know, that's not that's not your place. Get you know, know your place, get back in line. And fuck you. Like that that they you're you know, you want them to kill themselves for you, you're gonna listen to what they have to say, or change the channel. Don't watch. You know, that's fine. That, you can do that too, but Yeah, that's it it's just it's so disheartening that, you know, the this again, this top two percent, four percent, whatever you know, you can expand it, the top ten percent. Let's put it that way you know, to Americans are controlling the narrative 
and they're controlling what is is right and what is wrong and what should be talked about and what shouldn't be talked about. And if you don't think modern day slavery exists, you are crazy. Yeah. Literally crazy. I don't care what university you went to. I don't care what degree you have. I don't care what experience you went through. If you do not agree to the fact that modern day slavery is an issue for white people and black people, because, you know, white people are also in poverty. They live in, in the suburb neighborhoods and are kept down, but, you know, they just don't care because that's that's where they're from. And African-Americans are saying, hey, we also are in impoverished neighborhoods, but we're being shot by police because we're black. Yeah. Well, and the prison industrial complex, too, is totally modern-day slavery. I mean, you know, they've done studies on it. It's it's insane. It's just, if you don't realize that big money interests are literally, you know, like uh, incarcerating black men to feed a fucking profit motive, then I don't know what to tell you. You're just not paying attention. So The 13th does a really good job, or just called 13th, 13th, um, on Netflix, yeah, of, of connecting slavery with what's going on in the criminal justice system. But, you know, it's interesting. I thought at first wow, this really backfired on Trump, right? So he makes these remarks, but then there's this big display of unity and opposition. And then I went, wait a minute, is this just a dog and pony show? What are we being distracted from? What are we supposed, I mean, so there's this, you know, obviously there's a real issue going on here, but there's also some sort of marketing thing behind it. And so it made me go, you know, what are we not supposed to look at that's happening right now? Oh, you know, the tax plan. There's a few other things that are happening in Congress. Exactly, that that they don't want us to see. And so, you know, my only ask for everyone from this is, you know, if you supported Take the Knee, that's awesome. But but let's take it further than that. Let's let's turn it into real action. Let's fix our criminal justice system. Let's put some real actions behind this. Otherwise, to me, it's meaningless. If you don't do anything about it and you're just like, you know, on social media, like, yes, I support Take the Knee. That's great. What are you going to do about it? Because until right. you do, it's just symbolic. Well, and the other the other thing that really made me crazy about the Take the Knee stuff if you're just supporting it as an anti-Trump thing, like, you could kind of get the fuck out of here as far as I'm concerned. Because if you weren't supporting Colin... Like, I know a lot of white liberals, I'll say, who only now support this because it's an anti-Trump thing to do. And it's like, you're totally missing the point of the entire protest. Like, you're... And I know a lot of those same people are like, oh, well, I was done with Colin Kaepernick. I saw this a lot on Twitter, and it made me crazy. I was done with Colin Kaepernick when he said he wouldn't vote for Hillary Clinton. Why don't you find out why you wouldn't vote for it? And, and look, I'm not saying it was right or wrong. I'm just saying, why don't you read his reasoning behind why instead of just immediately going to your corner? The reason he, he cited was the, you know, the, the fucked up criminal justice system we have and how he doesn't think either party does enough to address it. So my thing is, like, this is not an anti-Trump thing, although it's been co-opted to become that, which is why I said it's the, it's the ML, MLKization of, of the yep. take the knee thing. MLK was a fucking democratic socialist. He was a radical. And people just cherry-picked quotes. Time. What? In that time. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, even still now, you read some of his speeches. I mean, um, and people cherry-pick his quotes, but they they always ignore the classism that he talked about, and they just bring up the racism. And he was talking about both. I mean, when he got shot, he was marching with union uh, workers. He was, you know, he was marching... To, he was all about uh, creating an equitable system for everybody, and he understood that classism and racism are hand in hand. And the less we acknowledge that in this country, uh, you know, it, it's just it's just going to keep getting worse. So I, I was really, it was cool to see 
that more players are doing it, but I hope they're doing it for the right reasons and not just as a, we don't like, because that's like, to me, the easiest thing in the world. Trump's approval yeah. rating is in the fucking gutter. Like, it is so easy to be anti-Trump publicly. It is hard to be against, stand, take an actual stand against police brutality because you get smeared and called a racist or, you know, you hate blue lives, which aren't even a thing because as far as I know, blue is not a race, but, you know, whatever, whatever you want to. Well, and a friend of ours um, pointed out, Max pointed out, he said, you know, that this is all great, but a lot of these NFL players make a lot of money. You know, yeah. Colin put in a million of his own. A lot of these people can be putting in funds, and some of them have. I think more of them can. If this is truly something that they support, then let's There's take some it really good ones. Real uh, Marcellus <laughs> Bennett in Seattle was always he was kneeling before before it was cool. If you want to say. Yeah. Um, and he, I, I don't know if you guys saw what happened to him with the Las Vegas, like he was at the uh, the uh, Mayweather McGregor fight, and he got like almost shot basically because there was like. The cops thought there was a shooting, and he wrote he wrote a really nice open letter about this. You, anyone should go check it out. But basically, he was leaving leaving the uh, Mayweather McGregor fight, and there was like what the cops thought was a shooting outside, and they immediately zeroed down on him because he was a big black guy. He's like a you know he's a, I think I believe he's a defensive tackle for the Seahawks, and um, they threw him down on the ground. They were very aggressive. They put a gun to his back, and and a lot, some of it's on film. Some of it happened before that. Some somebody took a camera out. But he's just like, I fear for my life. And, like, he's like, this is exactly why I take the knee. Like, this is this shit's unbelievable. Like, you should really read his open letter about it. But um, there's players like that who are genuinely doing it for the right reasons. And then there's people, I think, that are just doing it because it's the, you know, the, the literally the easiest thing in the world. So I I, I just um, hope people make that distinction. I, I kind of I disagree with you on that. The players that are taking a knee... Um, came to Sands, and even non-NFL players now, you know, it's trickling into other sports or taking the knee as well, they realize that this is a much bigger issue um, and that somebody in the highest position in the world, and I think Kobe said this in his press conference, that somebody in the, in the highest position in the entire world, the most powerful man in the world, is literally targeting an entire race. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's clear. It's open. There is no, it's undeniable. And people are now like wait a minute i need to stand for the fact that like my people it's it's less about police brutality and more about the suppression of african-americans and the mistreatment of african-americans so they kneel in the fact that they're not being protected by the country that they support the country is not supporting them and that is that that is the you know the biggest issues this is why you know these young african-american men are being incarcerated or being killed because the country does not support them so the message is no longer you know police brutality yeah that is that's a huge message that should be a, a point of topic, but it's it's I it's they realize it's eye opening that they are not supported. So of the two hundred and two men that actively kneeled, you know, immediately after the day after Donald Trump's you know Saturday night rant at eleven o'clock or whatever, you know, they were like, wait a minute, I am no longer so I make hundreds of millions of dollars for this country, you know, with my job and with my voice and with my body, and you don't even support me. You don't support my sons going to school. You don't support my sister, my cousin, whatever. You don't support my friends. You don't support anybody of color. So they're taking the knee for that instance. And I, the conversation has been diluted to be because it was in response to this world leader. And this world leader is just crazy. And he thinks it's just a fight between him and them. But it's more like, wait a minute. Even if you were, let's just, you know, hypothesize here. If this was Hillary Clinton and she said the same thing, people would be up in fucking arms all over. 
and they would be taking a knee as well. It's the it's the most yeah. powerful person in the world yeah. telling you that I don't care about you. Maybe I should I maybe I should clarify. I, I I support anyone that takes a knee. I think anyone who claims that locking arms or any of these other kind of half measures, I think that's bullshit. Like a lot of like a I, lot of you know, like it's yeah. Um, taking the knee is, is difficult and a lot of owners specifically forbade their players from doing it. So I think that's the much more clearer sign of it. I, I do, I do hope that the focus doesn't get lost because there's such a taboo in this country. It's frankly, it's the same taboo that you get when you talk about, you know, the way Israel Any- behaves on the world stage, but it's, it, it's just such a taboo to talk about the cops. It's like, like, look, fucking policing is so fundamentally broken in this country. It's it, we th- during the Bush administration, a study came out from the FBI about how the Klan and neo Nazis systematically have infiltrated police departments all around the country. And this is during the Bush administration; they even suppressed this. And and it's like we we just keep turning a blind eye to this, and then we we're seeing all these videos of these cops committing heinous atrocity and. This is not like an oh, oh you know bad apples argument anymore. It's got to be to the point where you say, well that doesn't mean anything if the system is systematically racist and systematically broken, and it's not saying that all cops are bad. There are a lot of good cops, but a lot of them leave because they become so disenchanted with how fucked up their the system that they're participating in has become. And it's like when when are we going to address this in a real way and not just pay lip service to it or use the standard oh well it's a couple bad apples because it's systematic it's it's a system built on oppression so it's it's yeah and i don't even think we can depend on officers anymore speaking out to be a part of it because it's like with the players they're forced to toe a certain line to not speak out against a fellow cop whatever and so i think we need to address it from a different angle because it's just not going to happen with the officers themselves they aren't able um the ones that do are severely ostracized or fired for stupid reasons or targeted so we've got to address this this society and it's been a problem forever and it's like we, we're just now seeing it because we, we have all these camera phones and it's like black people have been telling white people for years that the cops are fucked up and racist and, and, and target them and are predatory. And yep. <laughs> I see a lot of white people being like, what's happening with cops all of a sudden? And black people are like standing there like with their arms in there like, what, we've been telling you, like, where are you, like, where, where have you been? Like, right. just, just not we're, listening. Yeah, we're seeing it. You're seeing it now. So it's like, it's undeniable now. So, you know. I don't know what it's going to take to wake people up to fix this fucking system, but uh. I think it might need to be all of us in the streets together. (laughs) Yeah. I think, you know, a a March and not, not like woman size March like that, but like with, with cops and and because I, I do respect the cops and I know there are police officers and other law enforcement members that are there because they, they genuinely have a racist in their body and they want to inflict harm. On a certain race that's their end goal ultimately and you know other people are not like my sister is a police officer and love her to death and she would never harm anybody if they if they you know didn't harm her first right and she wasn't defending herself kind of thing but people that she works with she sees it every day every single day she sees this and she's like wait a minute like i didn't join this force you know and, and the good officers that you know were in the force have now retired or left because 
they realize that the people that are around them are just genuinely bad and they want to hurt people and they're using, you know, the law to have it on their side for them to say that this is legal yeah. for them to hurt people because they're trimming. And I've seen an article on the CNN did a, an investigative piece that they're trimming the fat from the country and they believe the fat is anybody of color anybody of, of lower working class that needs support or needs help or needs anything more than, you know, basic healthcare or, you know, and, and they can't afford it. Yeah. God forbid you can't afford something, then you're automatically a targeted person. So it, it's going to take a very humane conversation and understanding for people to identify the fact that there are bad police officers. And then it's going to take an entire race turning itself inward and looking at looking at itself, it's really don't, difficult. Don't hold because, your breath on that one with white people. Yeah. Because. People, I, I, unfortunately, it's like they need we need to see it, and, and in some cases, people like need to experience it. I was in a fight with somebody from my high school on Facebook, and he was like, "Do you really think that you know these officers go out just going, we're going to kill black people?" And I'm like, "Well, yeah, probably some of them because we know that that you know white power and skinheads have infiltrated, but beyond that, no. But but your whole point then." is that that black people somehow behave in a way that that makes them you know targeted or that they behave worse they are more criminal that is inherently racist okay that that whole argument number one even the fact that you say that shows that you're racist yeah it's a lie it's absolutely a lie and it just it's this this whole narrative of the angry black person or the unruly black person continuing to propagate that unfortunately has an impact on our officers because if they go out and they're in an encounter and they have it in their heads that black people are more violent they're going to be more likely to pull out a gun so it's just this this circle that keeps continuing and we need to get rid of that narrative too. And and I I think that we're all accountable to that when we have things in the media, when we have television shows that show, you know, a drug dealer as a person of color or whatever, all of these stereotypes are in the media we need to get away from. Right. Yeah. And the it's the you know, the dissemination of information that is that is happening in this country right now is just so easy to be manipulated. Uh, and it's sad how easy it is for people to manipulate it and to take a small video. Example, I saw what video, what did I see the other day, where it was only partial part of the video. Oh, my God. I have to I have to look it up. There's, well, you know, people are able to manipulate. Well, huh? While you're looking that up, though, just to one point, LaDonna, that you said about like like black people being portrayed as drug dealers. One, not a counter to that, but slight thing is, you watch a show like The Wire, I thought that was an amazing depiction of what actually happens in Baltimore. And I think that actually opened people's eyes up a lot to the, um, what happened? No, <laughs> I'm going to let you finish, Anthony, what you're saying. Huh. I grew up in Baltimore. Yeah, no. That is not Baltimore. Okay. That is. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just. <laughs> In terms of the inner city, though, you don't think that's at all like the inner city? No, it is not. I mean, that is a very small, small, small portion to what is happening in Baltimore. It is not, you know, constant gang violence and constant, you know, I mean, yes, there's a lot of drugs and yes, there's a lot of violence, but it is, is very, it's so isolated in a very small part. Small area. Yeah. That, I mean, that show just made show kind of like this is. I, don't, I, I mean, it was an entire city of people 
that were infiltrating even you know your local your local drugstore your local bodega like all these places were infiltrated and that is just not true yeah. there are those shows aren't going to show you show you the uh you know the beautiful aquarium or people going to the cheesecake factory they're going to perpetrate the narrative people walking in you know on there's parts of on baltimore street there's parts of baltimore street that i would feel safe walking down Yep. And they showcase that as if it was an entire block. And yes, there are whole neighborhoods and sh- blocks that are boarded up. But that's not because of drugs and gang violence. That's because people can't afford to live in the city. Yeah. Because the city is corrupted by officials that are taking money away from the citizens. And they're not able to, to work. Right. So it's, it's a whole different, you know, they that's play fair. the narrative very well. Well, so, I mean, what I kind of took away from The Wire... And besides the fact that I think it's just uh, narratively was a really good show. I mean, that you know, on its own. Um, I didn't really take away so much that that was the entire city of Baltimore. Because, like, I've, and you grew up in Baltimore. I've been to Baltimore. It's a really, there's parts of it that are super nice. Like, I, like the touristy parts, especially. Like, I, I went there, like, a few times for vacation. It's really cool. Like, the wharf area and all that stuff. Um, yeah. What I took away from that more was actually the, the corruption of the cops in Baltimore. More so than because I, to me at least visually, it portrayed a fairly small section of Baltimore in terms of the drug trafficking area. It was just like the projects and like the one or two kind of like that one little like like downtown district, which may may not even be a real place. But I didn't get the sense that like oh my god the city's in shambles. I got the sense that like there's an inner city and it's really fucked up how it's kind of policed and, and the kind of the, the rampant drug. I don't know. I mean, that's, that's what I took away from the show. I just, I just thought it was a, a really, a, a more realistic portrayal of drug trafficking than you typically see on a show. Oh, Obama um, loved that show. He would get episodes in advance. <laughs> I haven't watched well, it yet. Well, it was yet, just interesting so. too, because David yeah, Simon no, was like a beat writer for the Baltimore sun for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, which actually is why it's, I think the last season was a lot stronger because it was a lot more newsroom focused. Like that was like the main arc of the season was like the like the newsroom and like the way they reported on. And like when he got really into the weeds with like the mayor Tommy Carcetti, who was very clearly Martin O'Malley, <laughs> um, yeah. and how he's like a super facetious. Which I mean, you look, you take one look at him, and you're like, yeah, this guy's like kind of a little bit of a used car salesman. So. I don't know. I mean, I, it was just interesting to me, and and maybe it was not a great look for the city. Um, yeah. uh, you know, any kind of portrayal of like a shitty part of a city is not good, especially if it makes it seem like it's a big portion of the city. But I, I honestly didn't take that away from, and maybe that's just because I've been to a nice part of Baltimore, which is why I didn't take that away from that. But I honestly took that to mean like there's a really small, very high poverty, high drug trafficking area where the you know, like, it, it's just really fucked up how... And, like, the inner city, like, that one's the school season where they portrayed, like, the inner city school, the charter mm-hmm. school. Although it was a little too t- uh, pro-charter school for my liking, but that's a whole other... <laughs> um, that's a whole yeah. other thing. But it, I, I just thought it was interesting. Um, and I, I can agree with you on, on some facts. They did highlight major issues that are happening in Baltimore still. In 2017, they're happening. But I think that your take from it is, and I, I'm going to test this to the fact that you you pride yourself on being, you know, educated with facts, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, and um, you're affluent, like you're able to travel and you're affluent in the fact that, like, this is not necessarily 
the be all end all for one place, right? You realize that, but there are so many people that I've spoken to, which is why I was like shaking my head, mm-hmm. you know, ferociously, like, no, that's that's not actually right because there's so many people. Whose I, only image of Baltimore is that. Right, That's because unfortunate, they've, never, yeah. they've never been, they've never, they've never met anybody from Baltimore, and when they're like, "You're from Baltimore," and I'm like, "Yeah, I went to middle school <laughs> and high school for Baltimore. Like, if you want to see me, you know, pull out my Baltimore side, I can, but I'm a professional." And they're like, "Wait a minute, what?" <laughs> you know, like they're, they're confused because yeah. they envision these people to be this certain way. So it's it's which is why I was I was so defensive, but I can understand that they are pulling certain key aspects of the problems that were happening, and I, I'm. That was the highlight of the show, what they were trying to do. Yeah. Um, I just think it got lost with, you know, the, and I hate to say this, but the ignorance of Americans, you know, believing, believing that is what it is. And and it makes it so tough. So how do you highlight these issues? How do you highlight the problems of the inner city without perpetuating the stereotype of the inner city? That's really difficult. Well, I can tell you also, just as somebody who is a screenwriter, it's not interesting to show that there's a really nice section of Baltimore when you're trying to do a show about, which is not yeah. necessarily the right thing, but it's just, I, I think he was like not interested in showing that like parts of Baltimore are super nice and, you know, touristy and like whatever, whatever you want to call it. It just, mm-hmm. it was a lot more dramatically satisfying to focus on that one area of the projects and that one kind of corrupt precinct and things like that. So. Right, right, which makes it which makes it more satirical than well, it's, it's than simplified. Anything. Yeah, it's a it's a, a yeah. gross oversimplification of the city. I mean, Absolutely. What were we Absolutely. talking about before that? <laughs> <laughs> Stereotypes and media. But for real though, and... like if if you've been to Baltimore and you know it's not a shitty place, you should totally watch The Wire because it's a really good show. <laughs> but it, but it doesn't represent Baltimore, but it's a really good show. <laughs> It, I mean, there's a very small part of it. If you guys ever want to, you know, get a tour of the really shitty part, um, I've seen it. I'll yeah. make my boyfriend do it, not me, because I'm scared. <laughs> but <laughs> all I gotta say is, but Omar coming, y'all. That city is <laughs> not unlike other major cities. You know, Phoenix has areas that you know most people just don't go in. Right? There are lots of cities. New York, same thing. So I think I mean, it's. I, I have know, an image of of Arizona as like a, 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 a like Mad Max fucking wasteland of maniacs <laughs> just from some of the sh- that's just the polit- well just the politicians I've seen coming out of Arizona between Arpaio and like all the, like these lunatic Republicans that Trump goes out there to visit with so I don't know yeah. I mean maybe maybe parts of Arizona are super nice but I have a horrible mental limp so I mean, I think- in the northern part they're more liberal okay. <laughs> so I think I was looking for uh, I want to go back. Sorry, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, I was looking for a video that um, I was saying how sad it is, how easy it is to alter information and to disseminate it to the masses. Um, a person that is a friend of mine on Facebook and follows me uh, posted this video of the Steelers team, NFL uh, Villalandro, mm-hmm. standing in the tunnel with his hand on yes. his heart. Uh, yes. He's a former veteran. And when he came out the next day, there was only one part of his speech that it was edited out um, where it said it was like, I made the mistake of, you know, not bringing my team out or whatever it was. It's like, he made the mistake and she went crazy on this post um, and said that, you know, it's like, how dare he take claim or, or take responsibility when we know it was the team owners that were trying to do this or like, you know, it was the coach because the coach Mike Tomlin is black um, and highly discriminated against for other things as well. But um you know, she was she was going in on that, and she was going in on the fact that the Steelers, you know, are racist or whatever, and yada yada yada. 
And so I commented with the link. She's since deleted the video, so I was scrolling for a minute. Um, <laughs> and I commented with the entire interview. And I was like, you know, it would it would behoove you to get all the facts before you yeah. pass judgment. Uh, I understand your your point that, you know, you felt um, the whole team should have been with him. And he said that in his interview, that they had planned for the entire team to stand in the tunnel invisible site during the anthem. They weren't going to stay in the tunnel. That wasn't the, – it was a box plan. He said they actually that, got, like th- – caught up like some other like like a bunch of press got in their way and they couldn't make it out yeah. in time. it was just like yes, a total it, fluke that he got in front of them and in exactly. the video you can see players behind him actually coming out as he's doing it exactly and you know it's like do you move does the entire team move forward to stand with him during the national anthem that's disrespectful or do you stay where you are and put your hand over your heart and do whatever the team did in the tunnel and that's what they chose to do so it, it's like it makes sense because if press is all there, they're obviously trying to get pictures thinking the team is going to come out or kneel or whatever, yeah. you know, it's a big hot topic issue. Then things get messed up and that happens. But for the fact that the entire team was still behind him and supported the fact that he was leading that because he was the only veteran on the team and it was important to him. So because it was important to him, his team stood behind him and the Steelers were trying to show unity, not separation, you know, amongst themselves. Yeah. It was just this issue. And, and then she deleted my comment, so I re-commented, and then she deleted the video. And I'm like, you know what? It was a delete of shame, important... though. It was a delete yes. of shame. And but you yes. make such an important point here about context, because so often we get snippets, right? The, the media will show us, and you know, we're so used to single-serving you know, little, little pieces of things. We don't get the full story, and we become lazy, right? We just, we just look at these and we react. And it's so easy to do. So, I mean, I applaud you for, you know, looking at the bigger picture because so many people don't now. And it's the dumbing down of America right, so, right before us. A couple a yeah. couple of things. Uh, so he actually said in, in his presser that he's like, no, I, I totally support what Colin Kaepernick did. And I think that, you know, there is a problem. In America. But the funniest thing in the world to me is that because of a, bu- a bunch of right wingers shared this around as a meme, his jersey sold out of, at the NFL shop. So I just imagine them <laughs> mass canceling their fucking orders and not being able to is so hilarious to me because they all bought his jersey thinking he's this like uber right wing MAGA patriot. And he's like, yeah, nah, man, like people just got caught up in the tunnel. Like I, I support, you know, their right to protest. And everyone's like, wait, no, what the fuck? Because I mean, his jersey literally sold out on NFL shop. My God, it's so funny. You know, and uh, the only reason I I particularly care about this incident is because the Steelers are my team, Um, so I carry them deep into my heart. (laughs) I'm super ashamed of my fucking team because the Jets, not a single player kneeled, and it's probably because Woody Johnson, as I said, is our ambassador to the United Kingdom and big, you know, buddies with Trump. But I mean, the Jets are an embarrassment in a myriad of ways. If you follow football, (laughs) um. Bet you they gained a lot of fans this week, though. Ugh, yeah, the, the, just the kind of fans I want to fucking be associated with, too. Bunch yeah. of fucking MAGA chuds. Um, but uh, one other thing I actually wanted to, to say to your point about how you can very easily manipulate um, a clip to, to take out the context is that I noticed on Chuck Todd's show, he was d- doing a thing about how Bernie is dividing the party in his estimation, and he played a clip from the People Summit from Bernie's speech where he said, um, "The America." And I've seen a lot of people play this clip and cut off the last line, which is super important to context, where he basically said the Democratic Party must decide which side it's on, and then they cut the clip. 
well, sure, that sounds divisive when you say it that way, but the second half of that line is, and it cannot be on the side of Wall Street or the fossil fuel industry. Now, that's a much more agreeable thing to... Uh, that's a much more agreeable thing to most Americans when they hear that that in its entirety, but people are cherry-picking that to make it seem like he's just trying to divide the, you know, divide the party, and I think that's... It's so, it, you can very dis, be very disingenuous with a quick edit, and I, I think it's really important to... If you see a clip and it's clearly edited, you should always seek out the full context of it. Yeah. Um, in your spare time, you know, when you're yeah, not tracking yeah, well, every which is other hard, right? Like we said, it's like so hard to do all these things. <laughs> but, um, you know, I mentioned Bernie. I do want to quickly, before we get out of here, talk about that healthcare debate on CNN. <laughs> or as I call it, the mauling of uh, Lindsey Graham and the fucking demon known <laughs> as Bill Cassidy. By... It was so good. <laughs> it was, it, it, Bill Cassie, I've never seen him in person before, but I, I tweeted out a picture. He really looks like, do you guys watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer back in the day? I did, Re- yes. Remember the gentlemen, like those really fucking freaky looking, the gray people like that had like the black mouths, they're like super creepy looking? <laughs> yeah. He, he looks like one of those, like wearing like a white wig. Like, it, it's it's so creepy. Like, and, and I'm not making fun of it, but he's got such a creepy fucking smile. Like, it's how anyone could believe like that he doesn't like you know eat eat fetuses in his like spare time like for sustenance <laughs> like he's so creepy man like and and when you hear him talk he's just so disingenuous like i i don't know how anyone could have voted for this guy um but you know i so it was interesting because the bill was effectively dead by the time the the uh debate they took place it, yeah. so uh-huh. like you know because it, it was Rand Paul came out against it because it didn't kill enough people, I guess. Um, I believe (laughs) Collins uh, came out against it because she's been pretty strong about, you know, not passing a horrible repeal bill. And uh, McCain McCain came out against it because he has run out of fucks to give because he's not running again for re-election. He can actually have a conscience. Like, as a person with cancer... Yeah, you know, he's like away a few things. I think it's probably about fifty fifty. Like I'm using this shitty healthcare option that I have, and your plan kills me. Yeah, twice as fast as I'm already dying. Yeah, that's true. So, and I think he's allowed to have a conscience now that he's not beholden to donors because he's not running again. So he can say, like, look, this is horrible. Like, what are we doing as a party? And you know, I mean, like, and McCain's always been kind of known as like a maverick, and you know. He largely did away with that in 2008 when he ran for president. He became yeah. way more so disappointing. conservative. But, like, <laughs> early on in his Senate career, he was not terrible. Like, he really w- – he would go against the party if he if he genuinely, you know, had – and, like, sh- he had positions I would disagree with. But he had moral compunctions, which he, you know, I thought he largely disagree- uh, uh, did away with in 2008 when he ran for president because he kind of have to run as a Republican. But – I, I, it seems like he's at least found some of them. Um, but so, okay. So anyway, so the bill was effectively dead by the time the debate happened. And I saw a lot of people they, on, they didn't even vote on it. It was dead because of the debate. Well, that exactly. Well, that was good. That was what I was going to say is I saw a lot of people, uh, and, and this is a generalization and I'm not saying all of them, but a lot of the kind of the near tandems of the world and those people were saying like, this is just for Bernie's ego. They shouldn't even debate this, which yeah. is crazy to me. Cause I'm like, not only are you showing the American people what a horrible bill this is and how the optics are so good for the Democrats to say, 
look at this horrible bill they were trying to pass. These are the facts of the situation. You're also mm-hmm. presenting them with this awesome alternative that is what Bernie is pushing, which is Medicare for All, which now I think like 16 senators are co-sponsoring. Yep. It's just so crazy to me that those people are just – and I think – I you know, I we may disagree on this, but I think a lot of it is that they just have this kind of irrational anger towards him because they feel like he's pushing the party in a direction they don't want to see it going. It's like um, – which is tough because you, you can't criticize him saying he's not doing enough to fight for the party while simultaneously saying he's dividing the party and he should just get off the stage. Well, to me, that was such yeah. a gift to the party. I, it's like you're, you're 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 both simultaneously presenting an awesome alternative that the Democrats are theoretically behind, even though not the majority of them yet. Um, although the majority in the House actually are. It's just the Senate that we're still waiting on. Um but you're 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 putting up an awesome plan against literally the worst healthcare plan that's ever been proposed in America, and it's such a gift to the party. Uh, and I just found it really interesting that they picked Amy Klobuchar to be his second. Uh, and I don't know where that negotiation came. If that was a CNN thing, or if that was a, I, I strongly suspect that was a Democratic Party thing because, yeah, to me it makes so much more sense for it to have been. Bernie and Cory Booker, Bernie and Kamala Harris, somebody that's uh, on board with the Medicare for All bill, but also more on the establishment of the party, somebody that that's uh, agreeable to that that wing of the party, but also supports this bill because they could have a united front. It was almost self-defeating to put him with one of the few, uh, you know, senators that are prominent that don't support the bill yet. And... It's, that sounds more like a CNN decision there, because then it's like, okay, you're present, presenting multiple viewpoints. That. I mean, think about this podcast. I'm a former Republican. I'm an independent, right? Yeah. And, you know, Rachel, you're, you know, more a part of the party and, and I'm a Democrat. speak for yourself. Yeah. And I've, so, yeah, I'm a Democrat through and through, uh, but I... And Anthony, I, you're all about pushing everything further left. So, you know, it's about presenting those those different perspectives. It, it is possible, yeah. like you said, that it could have been CNN. I, 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 I suspect that it was the party saying there needs to be a voice up there who's not talking about Medicare for all because they'll make it all about Medicare for all. But the point is that they did that anyway, so it didn't matter. They were going to, and you should, they should have known that they were going to do that anyway because they've used this socialized medicine as a scaremongering bogeyman with the Affordable Care Act, which could not be further from socialized medicine if it tried. I mean, it's so crazy that they, but so my thing is like every rising star in the Senate in the party supports Medicare for all right now because they realize it's going to be, you know, kind of a wedge issue in the primaries. Like, you know, and I'm sure a lot of them support it genuinely, but a lot of them are just like, look, I have to support it or I'm never going to get through a primary, you know? So it, but to their credit, they're all on board. You know, Cory Booker's on board. Kamala Harris is on board. Al, uh, Al Franken. So, uh, you know, I, I just thought it would be, behoove them to put one of those people on there with him but uh what rachel i don't know what do you what do you think about the 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 whole debate yeah so a few points um my only issue with bernie it's it is that i love him to death i think that he's got uh, obviously a solid plan and um he he's going to move us forward definitely in the direction we need to move forward in however he doesn't even register as a democrat so I know he, he's a part of the party because that's that's his largest voice and, and realistically his largest voting voice um, and platform. But if you're going to be a part of a party, I get you need to behind closed doors have that like family battle of like, look, this is fundamentally not working. This is what we need to do to get this voice out there. Fundamentally. 
But if you're going to publicly shame the party that you're trying to also get to support you, people that are established and, and older, not established as in like they're the establishment, but uh, established as in they're, they're older people that have been Democrats their whole lives and support the party through and through are going to look at you as somebody just trying to attack them and not understand where you're coming from. They're not going to dig deep. Not, he's not attacking, actually. He's trying to change it, but they're not going to look at that. So that's that's the big issue where that controversy comes in. Yeah. The Medicare well, for All. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I, I understand why you say that. I think that's largely, though, something that's been pushed by the party because a lot of them don't like where he's pushing the party. I mean, I, I don't... He's... I, I mean, if you look at the actual you know, the stats of it, he's actually, he campaigned for more Democrats than any other Democrat uh, since the 2016 election. So I don't know what else he could do for the party. Like, if he doesn't want to be part of the party, I, I, I mean, he's doing more for the party than anyone else in the party right now to, to bring people in. He's, I, think, I think he's the only reason a lot of people are sticking around with the party. And- I, I can her with that and and the newcomers that are that are on his platform kind of he's building this platform of like progressive democrats or social democrats that you know understand the values of what our party stands for but realistically which is where the socialism comes in realistically can get things done and that's that's just where the country needs to be and it's not again it's not a democratic you know or progressive thing it's just it's reality and he is very um you know i'm very book smart everybody in my life will tell you i'm very very book smart Common sense comes a dime a dozen, a dime a dozen for me. And so for me to look at him and say, oh, that's common sense. And for other people to be like, yeah, that's common sense because that's just going to, it's going to work based on facts. It's going to work. Mm -hmm. And for people to fight it, it's like, what the hell? What don't you get? What don't you see that this is going to work? Other than the fact that you didn't come up with it and it's change and you don't like change. And that's that's my problem with the Democratic Party, because when I was a kid, you know, my parents were big Democrats and the whole thing was fighting towards something, right? You're, you're, Mm -hmm. you're going further and further towards progress. And I feel like at some point along the way, they stopped, they they stopped. Right. And maybe it was the Clintons, this, this sort of centrist thing, and we're going to play the middle. And so now it's like most a lot of the Democrats are not even willing to continue the conversation about let's keep pushing further. Let's keep going. Let's help more people and that kind of thing. So, so it's frustrating for me. And I was never a Democrat until Bernie. I never registered as one. I did for him. So, right. so you're a perfect so, example of somebody that votes Democrat that would never would have voted Democrat before. Yep. Um, but just to your point, Rachel, I, and, I, and maybe this is where we'll, you know, diverge. But I think a lot of the reason behind that. And it's not just because they don't, you know, it's not that they came up with it. I think the party has been built, like, you know, we talked about policing being built on a systemic racism. The party since the nine, really since Reagan, since the 80s, because Ralph Nader talked a lot about this, about how he noticed right around 1980, the Democrats realized that they could start taking corporate money too. And since then, unfortunately, I mean, you watch it. I, I, I mentioned this on the podcast a lot. I watched a Democratic debate from... Uh, Carter's from 76, they sound like farther left than Bernie in 1976. It's like that party doesn't exist anymore. And it yeah. and it had a lot to do with the fact that they got wiped out during the 80s, uh, mm-hmm. just for a variety of reasons, you know, cult of personality that Reagan was and just some, you know, subpar uh, campaigns. And they all of a sudden decided like, oh, my God, we're not doing the right thing. We need to, to move to the center. 
and the whole DLC thing in the 90s with the Clintons, maybe that's what we needed in the 90s at the time to win seats. That is so not working anymore. And those people are not bad people, but they're a product of that system because they've been there since then. And it's like, they're and they're so reliant now on corporate money. I mean, we saw it again with the DNC in February, voted to keep taking the corporate money, the corporate donations. They're so, but they've built a system where they're so reliant on it because they've turned off so many average Americans who yep. don't want to give them money anymore. And but as somebody that works on progressive campaigns, I can tell you, it is really it's, freaking there's no hard. fucking money. It's so hard. I to I, raise I totally money get it. Without like, corporations, yeah. it's hard. And, and, so, I, and I, I can also attest. You know, I, uh, you know, guys know I work on on certain elections and certain campaigns. Um, with individuals I won't mention, but they're, they're not taking corporate money. So it is difficult for the messaging for us to get across because the democratic party, the the title or the the subtitle under where you see the democratic party is party of the people. That is what they are fundamentally supposed to be a party of the people. They, They have, they are so far lost from that. And the, the people that are running now um, or that the senators that are you know trying to re- re- uh, retain their seats that are running now, they realize that and they really see that this is not you know a party for the people. So these corporate donations, you know it's, it's a big hot topic issue because people don't understand what happens when uh, a political um, organization gets uh, a corporate donation. And it could be an in-kind donation and it could be a monetary donation. Uh, it just depends on what level um, in the process that they are in or what level of the asset they have. And so it's 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 really tricky uh, for people to for people to explain that. And yes, we give you know the FEC full filing reports and people can look that up. But again, it's it's hard to understand for people that are like, wait, why did well, Johnson and Johnson give you know Chris Christie ten million dollars? Well, because Johnson and Johnson headquartered in New Jersey. And, he needs a lot know, of baby oil to get his clothes on in the morning. Also, <laughs> didn't. They, this is this is not a factual example. They <laughs> money, uh, but I, I couldn't is, resist that. I'm sorry. <laughs> he needs to lather up. Uh, As a horrifying image, because they're in New Jersey and they want their land yeah. and the area that their company is on to be protected. The only way that happens is if you have a politician advocating for your land and business rights. So it, it gets messy and it gets dirty and it's not right now. It's not what it should be. And the way it was when it originally started happening in the eighties, because it's gotten to this whole, if I give you this, you get like, they're, they're making deals. They're, they're well, how about this? If corporations are people, why not subject them to the same $2,700 limit? There you go. You want everybody yeah. to have an equal voice done. <laughs> I didn't hear you without us. So. Oh, subject everyone. If corporations are people, people have a $2,700 limit. So give corporations a twenty-seven hundred dollar donation limit. Then we're all corporations all write the laws around. But campaign. see, that's that, that's so, where the difference comes in. Is that the individual, if it comes from a, a corporation, the corporation is a per capita per person. So if they have a million people, twenty-seven hundred dollars times a million people is a, a big fucking number that I don't know off the top of my head. But it's a big fucking number. So that's their cap. And that's where what's that? Oh wait, no, I'm sorry. You said twenty seven hundred times a million. Uh two nah, fuck it. I don't know. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> but either way, that's their cash for the company. And so if that company decides to donate that much money, 
you know, that's because they're saying it's in the it's in the so voice of the people, or it should be in the voice mm-hmm. of the people. And that is no that was what it was established for, and the law no longer fits today. And right. I talk about this a lot every time I, I, I speak and do interviews, is that the laws we have today fundamentally and ideally they're supposed to work. But they have changed and been, you know, manipulated so many times that people at this point are just slapping old band-aids on top of each other, one on top of the other, on top of the other, on top of the other, that, you know, Amendment B is clashing with Amendment Z, and now that that bill is no longer effective, and it no longer works. So So, corporations are finding loopholes and getting what they want. Yep. Um, Just, I mean, just to push back on that a little bit, um, I get that. And I understand, but the, and there are ways to look in terms of donations, whether or not they come from individuals working for, say, Silicon Valley, as opposed to the companies themselves. But it, I feel like you'd have to be not you, but like the American, an average American citizen would have to be a simpleton to not look at. And I'm not going to name people's names; it's not you know not important to say like right. Senator X gets two hundred thousand dollars from the pharmaceutical industry. Um, and then votes against a bill to reimport drugs from Canada. And then when asked why, gives a very right-wing explanation that doesn't actually hold any water when you look into it. And like, I, and that's issues like really personal to me because I work in pharmaceutical, so I know that that answer was bullshit. So like, it, it's not that people, I, I, I get that people don't understand the difference between individual donations from people in industry and from the industries themselves. Yep. It's still very, there's still very obvious quid pro, quo, quid pro quo going on when you look at something like Medicare for All and like the 15 senators who co-sponsored get 50% less money per senator than the uh-huh. 30-something that didn't. I mean, that's, to me, that's like, that's not a statistical anomaly. That's no, a statistical there's no correlation. There's still no, there's no correlation really between the this individual and this twenty seven hundred. It doesn't correlate that way. The donations don't. If they if there were limits like that, you know, at least it would make some sense. But but that then would be double money really because it would be the individual and then the corporation on behalf of the individual. Why not just? I mean, we've we've got an imbalance. I think we all can all agree on that. The voice of corporations and special interests is too powerful. We've got to find some way to when they've, to and they've bring bought, the voice back. Yeah, and they've bought off, you know, the the courts to make it that way. I mean, it's it's essentially that they've they've written these laws. I mean, Citizens United is ridiculous yeah. on the face of it as a verdict. Um, and but that and that even wasn't even where it started. It really I forget the the actual verdict, but it started really on the eighties. And Citizens United is just that on steroids, basically. Um, but the only answer really ultimately is is publicly funded elections. And I don't know how we're ever going to get there because that seems like an insurmountable mountain right now. But yeah, um, the thing that people can that the Democrats and this is like something like uh, you know Barney Frank was being interviewed by. Uh, your favorite, the Young Turks, actually. And they asked him, like, why do you take corporate money at all if they're not going to give you the same amount of money? And Barney Frank's answer was, uh, well, shouldn't we at least take 20% of their money? Why, why would we take zero? And it's like, no, that's so self-defeating. Because you're constantly going to be underfunded, and you're also not... I don't want to use the word pure because that's such a fucking buzzword now, but you're also, you're also ideologically tainted... In, in terms of the way people are going to view you, because it's like, well, you're still taking X number of millions of dollars from this corporation. 
if they all stood up together, and a lot of them have it, I give a lot of them credit, you know, Tulsi Gabbard, Ro Khanna, Bernie, Keith Ellison, there's a lot of great uh, Democrats in the Senate and the House who are saying, we are not going to run, yeah, and even some who took it in the past, even like Tulsi in the past took it, but she's saying, At, from now on, I'm not going to take corporate funding for my elections. And I think if the party really got together as a whole and said that they were going to do that, people would give them more money. Like, people just don't trust the party as a whole right now. And I think if they all got together and said, this is what we're going to do, we're going to really be the party of the people. We're going to be the party that we have, we purport to be, and the party of FDR and the party of, you know, all, all these things. And it, it, it's like, they're still... Here, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, here's my issue with this, that... We have had the conversation, and I have been blessed enough to be on a multitude of email chains and and conversations with you know even people that I'm working for and working with currently um, about how to not take corporate donations. How 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 do we get away from this? You know, do we just accept in kind donations that help push? You know, do we just accept flyers? Do we just accept you know TV ad spots? Um, do we partner with them and say that they they are locally a part of your community. Like, what do we do? Um, and it gets to the point that, you know, yes, it's, 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 there's needs to be legislation out there that says, you know, they have a cap each, no matter how large the corporation is, if it's, you know, Verizon sized, or if it's, you know, uh, Joe Schmo's bodega on the corner sized, they, they should have a limit on just like individual contributions has a limit, you know, corporate should have a limit as well. That's legislation. One, two, it gets down to the fact that, like, people, uh, the 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 country, is in crisis. We are in debt. Yes, our economy is rising. Yes, our stocks are doing well, and people are making more money, but not at as an, an at a rate that is sustainable. That if we stop accepting corporate donations, right, or if not not me particularly, but if if politicians or other um, activist groups stop accepting corporate donations. Can they can they 100 and actively rely on the American people to donate? It's 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 so, mathematically. And the answer it, right now is no. <laughs> it's it's impossible. It's financially impossible for us to, to to stop doing that without getting the message across. And that's because you know there's a a shit ton of inflation going around, and there's a shit ton of things that are happening that you know legislation is just not covering um, to protect you know the politicians on local races that aren't able to get corporate donations or, you know, the, the non-Democrat or the non-Republican to even get their voice heard when they're trying to get local donations. And even if they do get the local support um, of the people and they are getting those individual donations, that, that doesn't go anywhere if you don't have a powerful person on your side. So if they stop taking corporate money, it's like sending a nine-year-old into the ring with a heavyweight, okay? Because Republicans are going to keep doing it. So, That's the hard it, part. But even if there's legislation that says across the board that Republicans and Democrats, no matter what you accept, you have to accept it at this amount, then the, then the loophole is, because this legislation is not airtight. The one we have now is clearly not airtight because they're doing it. Then what the companies are going to do, and I firsthand can attest that I know companies, AT&T is doing this or, or has already done this. There's a lawsuit on it that they're creating other companies that are their secondaries Mm -hmm. right yeah. and they're donating through that company mm -hmm. so that company is double dipping in in political donations and in political influence and there's no right now no legislation preventing that and we're there we're not able to track where this 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 off the wall like 
A, B, C, D, E, F, G company is coming from when, when AT&T's reached its cap, but then immediately after, ABG company came out and said, we're going to donate the exact same amount. Like, you know, there's, there's, there's yeah. no, I, the past lines, but there is no legislation to prove that and to take it into a legal court to say, hey, this is not right because they're controlling what our, what our leaders, our political leaders are doing. It's really um, hairy, all of it, yeah. It's, yeah, it's very so. hairy and confusing, and I, I wish I could say, you know, as a consultant, I, as a, as a person, not a consultant, I can say I advocate for not taking, you know, corporate money. As a consultant with a business and with clients that I know need that money to thrive and to get their message out, it, it's just impossible. So, you know, I, I'm, and, and look, I, I'm going to push back on this a little bit, and I know this is going to seem like it's kind of an idealist. I'm shocked. Like, <laughs> Controversy. But Darn. the thing is, like, I get all that, and I know, and I like, look, I've worked, me and LaDonna have worked on a congressional campaign, I'm working on a local campaign. I understand there's not a lot of fucking money uh, coming from just, you know, regular people. Um, so, Bernie was an anomaly yeah. Bernie was an anomaly, and not everyone can raise money like Bernie, and that was, you know, he was largely helped by kind of a wave of uh, support. Yeah, he inspires people the way Obama did, because Obama, yes, he took corporate donations, but he inspired people the way Bernie does. Well, Obama also, Obama also knew a lot of, of the of the terminology of progressives, you know, whether yeah. he... <laughs> he spoke that language. <laughs> whether he wanted to do it or not. But so, what, what I think it's very... And it's not your fault because I think everyone, you know, in Washington thinks like this. I think it's it's old hat thinking that not taking corporate money is impossible. Because I totally understand that it's super expensive even just to get your message out there in terms of mailers or, you know, any kind of promotion whatsoever. I think if enough Democrats prominently start doing it. It's not like they're going to get a media blackout. It's not like CNN's not going to cover these sorts of things if the party as a whole sit up and said, we're going to stop taking corporate money. We're going to do X, Y, and Z. I get that a lot of local races would be hard because the Republicans love to run attack ads and love to do smear campaigns. I think a lot more people, and I think the Democratic Party would be really surprised at how many more people would funnel money into them. And not just lifelong Democrats, independents, even libertarian leaning Republicans are like, you know, I hate how corporate the Republican Party has become, but I can't support the Democrats because they're just as corporate and corrupt and disgusting, yada, yada. I think there would be such an influx, you wouldn't have to raise the same amount or even half the amount of money that the Republicans raise if you just focused on the grassroots and actually getting people out there knocking doors and not some knock-every-door corporate slogans, actually... <laughs> getting people out there knocking doors because that's the only thing that progressives have is that they have a great field game because they don't have the money that the, you know, the big candidates have. They don't have. And I wouldn't be working on progressive campaigns if I didn't think that that model could work. It's just that we really haven't been able to show it yet. Right. I I want it to work. We've seen examples of it working. I mean, like, you know, Christine Pellegrino out in Long Island just won a special election. Um, I was going to say John Ossoff as well in in Georgia. He didn't win, but it was very grassroots down there as well. Yeah, no corporate was taken. I'll say no comment on that one. But, 
<laughs> you don't want to know my thoughts about you. I'm trying to poke you, Anthony, because I knew you were like, you saw what I said. Like, I mean, look. That, don't you dare say it. I, do you want me to get, I, I don't want, I, we, we don't have to get into it. People, people who listen to the podcast know my feelings about that race, because we talked, we spent a whole episode talking about it. But my, my, my whole thing is, look, the party is fundamentally designed to not get this message, because it doesn't support their infrastructure and their their way of life, their business right now. And I think a lot of these special elections have shown that the bigger margins that have been closed and the actual victories have come when you have a candidate pushing an actual progressive message that actually presents people with something to vote for instead of just platitudes or I'm not Trump or something to vote against. And if you can present people with an actual message that inspires them to turn out to vote and to get other people to come out to vote and go tell their friends and to go canvas and yada yada and um, make it clear that you're not beholden to donors and things like that. I think that those people are going to win across the board in 2018. Like I, it, it'll be. I know campaign is another one that came close. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he came close of running against a huge machine in Debbie Wasserman Schultz. And he had a lot of help because yep. of her behavior in the, in the primaries. He raised the most money a congressional candidate ever raised. Uh, right. He raised like 4 million, I think in that race. And he, he yeah. got like 40 something percent of the vote. Um, it was close. So, I mean, look, it's not impossible. It's just that the, the party is fighting it right now. And it's like the party, you know, it, they, they love to play that half of the clip, but the party does need to eventually decide which side it's on, I think. Uh, and it I, can't be the side of... I think if we should, can show some successes, if we can put some wins on the board, I think it may change. But for right now, <laughs> I get it. And no, I, I, and I, yeah, I agree with LaDonna, um, you know, when I said financially, it's just not possible. Uh, there are no there are no studies of proof that this works. You know, yes, Bernie's campaign is is a roaring success to it, but he still lost. That's no. their that's their hiccup, and like it was partially the the inner core of the Democrats. I mean, if we really want to get they, in the weeds on that, we, yes. can, we could get into. We're not. The... We, we could get into the weeds on that, and I agree. Yes, that it was the demo the inner circle of the Democrats voting. It was their fault. The four forty seven let us the fuck down when that. So, anyway, let's move on. No, yeah, we don't talk about that. But but honestly, I, I think that there's no example. Well, I you know, see, I it I, for two uh, two things about that. Largely, that's true, but it also hasn't been tested because the Democrats, I think, as a party, don't want to test it. There are groups that want to test it, but a lot of the, the party as a whole, I think, is is unwilling to change. And it may not be malicious. It may just be like, look, this is how we've done things. We we won a big majority in two thousand ten or whatever it was, or two thousand eight. Um, this is how we know we're going to win. This this Rahm Emanuel horrible strategy of you know moving towards the center. And I get it. Right. Like the the people that are in power right now got into office because of that strategy, largely. But that's not where the country is anymore. And right. in the special elections alone, it's kind of like it, it's crazy if you actually look at the differential and the margin that was closed. I mean, Quist out in Montana and Thompson, Kansas, closed almost twenty point margins, uh, and they both lost. But pretty much Democrats lost across the board in all these special elections there's been a few good victories but largely the republican oh. for for like you said but largely the republicans have maintained uh you know their their power but oh. these really progressive candidates have had really strong showings in deep red areas and then you look at other campaigns and we don't have to talk about which specific ones 
that spend, you know, astronomical sums of money and actually did worse than Hillary Clinton did in those in those districts. And it was, you know, obviously an off year election. But to me, that says, like, look, guys, this is statistically provable that this is where the country is moving. So why not at least give that a shot? And, you know, it's like I said, it's not maybe that they're necessarily malicious or that they're all they love, you know, being corporately bought or whatever like i don't think that's true honestly i i think it's a mentality that's just like look it's that happens in every industry like you know music sports like it's like this is the way we do things like you know players yeah and the corporate world it was well that's the way it's always been yeah that's just the way yeah people in general as human beings i think are very reluctant to change it's like why people like when when their jobs change or they get automated or like a new aspect comes in the older people that work there are like oh i don't want to learn you know like you you i'm sure we've all experienced this in our own jobs it's just the way people are so i i really think that it's going to change it's just going to take a lot of grassroots effort and, and fighting i think and fighting yeah yeah no i i can 100% agree with that um you know it, it's it's been proven that there's been headways to be made. And, and, you know, the inner circle of the Democratic Party and the clients that I work for, they don't disagree with that at all. Um, I don't disagree with that as a person fundamentally, and I've seen it happen and I've participated in it. Um, however, I think, it, you know, people, you're right. People are very reluctant to change, and the people are very reluctant to believe that they're going to change mm-hmm. because the money that they have currently, uh, a portion of that is or is not from corporate donations. And with with that already being there, people are going to question how much um, influence do they still have, even though they're 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 cut off, mm-hmm. right? They've met their cap; they're no longer donating to you. But how much influence did the money that they already gave you? How much influence is that going to buy them? Um, so people are questionable, and that's where I think a lot of hesitation comes from, mm-hmm. because they can't just cut these whole turkey. There's lots of money coming in on both sides from corporations, you know, to make sure that their, their companies are protected. Um, and I, and, you know, again, it's not, if, if, if the whole team isn't on board, it's kind of like if you're in a boat and one person on the boat has a great idea to make the boat go faster and they start doing it. And then everybody else is doing something else. You're making a splash, but the boat's still going in the same fucking direction mm-hmm. and doing the same thing. But if four people start doing it, then you start getting turbulence. And you're fighting with another party unintentionally because you're trying to show them that your way is working more efficiently, but they're just in disbelief. So it eventually takes time and the team gets, and they're not a team because it's Democrats and Republicans, but overall, the the point of this is that they will all get on board eventually. And we just need to continue being, you know, vocal about it and not supporting, you know, I, I... Avidly, when I told you earlier in this podcast that, you know, my boyfriend voted and I looked at the people who have anybody going to school here in, in New Jersey, but I don't want anybody that's part of an organization that, you know, voted for Trump or supports him financially to be on the board of education for the state of New Jersey because that's going to affect their decision making. It trickles down. So, you know, for people to be knowledgeable in that and vote, you know, accordingly that helps push that message across as well. Yeah. And just, and real quick. I think we can all agree it's time to move left. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Move left, idiots. Yes. And just, uh, that's a good way to wrap it up. I I just wanted to address one quick thing that you said. 
I agree, but I think what people what people don't even get is that it's not necessarily the money that they've taken already. It's that once you take money from a company, that's kind of part of your war chest, and you're like, okay, well, I made, you know, X, I, I got a hundred thousand dollars from Pfizer, let's say, in my last re-election cycle. Well, I'm gonna have to run again in 2020, and I need money to run. Like it's like you said, it's just such a it's such a tough atmosphere out there right now to like to get your message out there if you don't take corporate money. So it's not that necessarily their votes are based on the money they've taken. It's like, well, if I vote this way, maybe they won't give me money um, in 2020. And that's the appearance, at least. But, you know, I, there's shades of gray. And I think we, 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 we basically all ended up in the same place, is that it'll happen. It's just going to take a lot of grassroots pressure and a lot of uh, activism and a lot of effort on our parts and on, on progressive parts. Um and I think we should just nationalize everything. I think that's the way we're talking <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, sort of. <laughs> Not really, though. All right. But, uh, yeah, that, 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 that about does it for us this week. But that, that, that was fun. I think we really um, – it was, it was a different vibe. This is now brought to you by the United States of America. Uh, this podcast it's is now brought to you by, by Pfizer, actually, and, and all its subsidiaries. Um <laughs> I mean, wait, I got my sheet somewhere. Uh, Lockheed Martin, I think, is also now sponsoring. Co-sponsored by Verizon and Skype. Yeah. Thank you to both of them. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Uh, so, no, thank you guys so much for having me. It was a, a pleasure. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. Uh, do you, all time. Very passionate you about it. give out, so. like, your social or yeah, anything like, not your social security number, but your yeah, uh, social. Uh, so my Equifax social security number yeah. is. But uh, you want to direct people anywhere, your social media or anything? Yeah, if you guys want to follow me on social media, uh, it's at Rachel, the number zero, just zero Martinez, literally for everything. Um, my Snapchat, I'm doing a series called A Day in the Life of. Uh, that handles at Ray Marie. We sponsor local business people and entrepreneurs, mom entrepreneurs um, that have found success in this hellish time. So if you guys are interested, follow that. Yep. Thanks. And uh, remember, uh, I'm at a Montarulo on Twitter. Uh, LaDonna is at a Polly Bent, P-O-L-I-B-E-N-T. Uh, please remember to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, share it around with your friends, uh, support fellow progressives, or it, it's, it's just... Support we progressives. Now. Now. Just support progressives. <laughs> Hashtag support progressives. Watch out for the uh, the Twitter parties, and uh, join us next week on Move Left, idiots. And Tifa.